All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Beyond the Physics. This is your host, Joseph Guzman. So today we're interviewing my friend Jesus, and we go deep into his background, and we learn that he is an immigrant from Mexico, having moved to the United States when he was seven months old. And we learn in detail about how that has had profound implications for his life and created multiple barriers to entry that a United States citizen like myself might take for granted. And at some point we do transition to current events, and that is why I thought this podcast is important to get out to you guys as soon as possible, because Jesus was a DACA recipient, and he was waiting on the Supreme Court ruling, which just passed on June 18th in favor of the Dreamers. So this podcast turned out to be quite topical. Um, and so I, I think the podcast overall was really great. I think we touched a lot of important topics and... Stick around if that sounds interesting to you. So finally, I'll just quickly plug our socials. We have a Facebook page at Beyond the Physics and a Twitter at Beyond underscore Physics. And finally, I just ask that whatever you're listening to this on, whatever podcasting platform, please just give us a rating because that does really help us out and I would be really grateful to you. So... Anyways, uh, that's all I got for you guys today, so enjoy the podcast. This is Beyond the Physics. Okay. All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Beyond the Physics podcast. This is your host, Joseph Guzman, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host. Irene Roman right here. <laughs> and today uh, we're interviewing one of my good friends, uh, Jesus. And uh, we go way back from undergrad uh, at Cal State, and he's, we both studied physics at the time. And so, welcome to the podcast, Jesus. It's glad, glad to have you. It's nice to be here. <laughs> Great. So, um, I guess what I wanted to start with is something that we've talked a bit about, but haven't delved deep into, is like your mm -hmm. background. Oh, I have a background? <laughs> Everyone has a background, right? Yeah, I guess we do. Um, oh, go ahead, shoot. Right. So um, maybe you could tell me a little bit more about like um, how your family came here and how you ended up getting into physics and stuff like that. Um, oh, that's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> start wherever it feels natural and then we'll go. Okay. Uh, so it all started when I was just a twinkle in the eye of my dad. Uh, um. <laughs> No, so, it, I mean, let's see. So I was born in 1990, and I spent seven months in Mexico, seven, nine months. And then at that point, it was when my dad decided that he could bring us over. And I came with my mom and my older sister. Um, and I mean... 
that was just basically starting from nothing, basically. I was like, bottom of the totem pole. And mm-hmm. uh, I guess from what they tell me, and, and then my, my first memories are like, I don't know, like around four or five years old. I think that's the last time I remember anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that's when I remember being in kindergarten. And, and that was, that, well, that was in Santa Ana, California. And from then on, I remember being typical little kid who loves their parents and looked at their mom and said, I'm going to be, a, uh, I don't know, like typically what they, with immigrant parents, it's always like some professional license, like I'm going to be an engineer, doctor, mm-hmm. whatever. And I'm going to buy you a house. I'm going to give you guys everything you didn't have. And then I went to school. Uh, basically, I guess when I first remember anything special about school was in uh, elementary school. It was being like on mathletes and all that, being, mm-hmm. doing, doing mathematics competitions. Um, middle school, I did... Uh, Pentathlon. Pentathlon. So, yeah. So it's kind of like the, it's like the decathlon. Okay. But but it's for like subjects like history, okay. math, science. Yeah. Um. And then that's when. So at the time, you know, I the at the time when I was in high school, it was like a pretty rough time in the area. So it was a lot of like. I wouldn't say like hardcore gang violence, but it, would be, it was more like a lot of hoodlum violence. So it was a lot mm-hmm. of little kids thinking that they were going to become like basically gangs. And I was this weird nerdy kid on the side who just lived in the neighborhood and somehow got pulled along all the time. Uh, but I never really fit in because I was always running my mouth because, you know, typically that's what you do when you think you're smart or whatever. Uh, so that was a weird time because the next moment would be go to high school and the time the high school was where like basically it was just where everybody went uh, uh, but fortunately at that point I had choice because there's a pretty like well-known private school that's also in the area it's called modern day high school it's one of like the top uh, private high schools for sports and athletics. Uh, they had given me a two-year scholarship to go there. Uh, and, and then another offer came for a school called Middle College, which is like this specialized school where uh, you take high school and uh, community college classes at the same time. Okay. And the end, goal, the end goal is to get an associate's degree by the time you graduate high school. So that you, you're basically a junior when you graduate high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and right there, it was a pretty obvious choice because the middle college school was, it sounded cool and for my parents. And also it was free. Uh, okay. Modern day was only free for two years. After that, it was like 10 grand uh, a year. And there was no way my parents were going to afford $10,000 a year. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't want to put them in that position. So I would have, I wouldn't have gone there. Um, so then I went to middle college and that was a turbulent time. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? Uh, so, I mean, given that it's like kind of an accelerated program, it's pretty, it's a big load work. Yeah. There's a lot of expectations. And I guess there are expectations that I wasn't ready to meet no matter how smart I was. Yeah. You kind I mean, of lose a bit of your childhood, right? Yeah. 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 And at that point, you know, being from, from an immigrant family, you tend to miss out on a lot of like the normal kid stuff because for one, there's fear of like something happening to you. And two, there's just, you just don't fit in as well with the other kids. So like, uh, like just doing group activities or like hanging out, going to places, doing what normal kids would do. Like I would, my parents would always just say no. It was just always no, because you know, of that of that immigrant status of like fear of you being gone one day hmm. without them being able to do anything about it. So when I got into high school, you know, my teenage hormones kicked in and I just wanted to be everywhere. You know, I just wanted to be free. And it's kind of it was kind of like a bad situation because at that school you had a lot of liberty because it's an open campus because it's on a community college. So that's when I guess I was too smart to be smart because given that I could do the bare minimum to do well in classes, I'd always just be like, well, I'm going to take off, right? I'm going to go do this. Mm -hmm. And I was like foregoing doing what I should be doing. Uh, so it, and sometimes it felt like a wasted opportunity because I, was, I wasn't trying my hardest at it, but then sometimes it felt like, Maybe it, been, it was just too much, but I mean, how do you tell your parents that or like anybody at that age when expectations are like so high? Yeah. I mean, that's still a lesson in of itself though, right? Yeah. I mean, looking back now, it's like, oh, I grew up, Yeah. right? <laughs> um, yeah. And then from then, I had my first like legitimate girlfriend where like I, I thought I was in love in senior year. And then my whole world revolved around her. And I guess she's the reason I went to college right after that, because I don't think I would have gone otherwise. Like, I don't think uh, she expected you to, or like her and her parents kind of like pushed me towards it. Hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, cause I was like, you know, they noticed like I was a smart Mexican kid and my girlfriend was, uh, like basically white, mm -hmm. uh, and her parents both college educated, you know, they're both like, just like, no, this is what you need to do about us. They're really cool people because they were always really supportive. But I was always like, you know, oh, I, I get it. Yeah, you're right. But I don't feel like I can do that because circumstances. Mm. Right. Because I was never really like clear about what what I was able to do because of the manner in which I you know, the, my status in the country. Yeah. Right. It's just, mm -hmm. it's so hard to be dedicated and to look towards the future when you're so unsure about what that even means. Like yeah. what is it that you're working for? <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I guess uh, when did that mentality kind of become clear to you? Like when did your parents have a talk with you when you were like really young or did you just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that happened... I just probably... <laughs> this is probably every person who's been in my case remembers the moment. The mm-hmm. moment where like their world got flipped. They finally realized like, oh, I'm different. <laughs> but it's not just different because of the way I look, different because of a piece of paper, right? Yeah. So I remember uh, in middle school, we still had uh, we still had sports teams at the time. So we still did uh, in between school sports and like cross state and all that. And I remember I wanted to be in uh, soccer. And, and I was so excited. I, you know, I went to practice. I got after the team. I got in. And then they gave me the paperwork and I told my parents this is the paperwork. And as soon as like it said, Oh, you have to put your social security number. You have to show proof of insurance, this or that. And I was just like, I got it. No, I was just a kid. But then they told me, no, you, you, you can't do that. And I was like, well, why? And I felt like it's one of those moments where you're just telling me, Oh no, we don't, we just don't want you to do what you want to do. But literally it was because I didn't have, I couldn't do it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a shocking revelation. It took a long time to understand what that meant. Yeah. Yeah, that must be tough. I mean, um, yeah, and uh, one other question just to clarify is, um, were your parents bilingual when they came here, or did they not know a lick of English? Uh, no. Uh, so my dad was also like a pretty smart guy, so he started learning English pretty early on. Cause he came since he was 16 years old. So he had a lot of time to be around here. And at one point he actually went to go learn English, like at a, like those community classes. Okay. And then my mom did the same. So they understood things. Yeah. They didn't, they weren't like, they weren't like, they weren't like some people really do have a hard time because they don't understand anything. You're yeah. just completely closed in. But my parents had a little more of a notion, but that didn't change from them from being scared about stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah. And just, I feel like speaking any other language also adds to like feeling different. Right. I don't know. Uh, Irene, if, uh, when you were growing up, you were mainly taught Spanish or English. Um, in the, in the home, it was Spanish. Mostly everyone spoke Spanish. My grandmother lived with us and she didn't really know. She came late in her life, so she didn't really learn any English. So she understood English, but her speaking wasn't so well. So we just uh, chose to speak Spanish all the time. Um, I guess. And then obviously going out in the real world, not the real world, but the outside world um, was mostly English. So... Kind of, I guess I learned them in parallel when I started getting older and I wasn't in the house anymore. Um, hmm. So, Jesus, do you relate to that? Is that pretty much the same? Yeah, yeah. So, I remember when I was, right before I went into kindergarten, I remember that the only books I'd ever seen were Spanish books. And I remember hmm. the stories, of, like, the what type of books. Like, uh, what's the name of the story the solomon's tower or the king's tower the one where he he goes to the top of the tower 
and tries to reach for the moon or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I forget. I, I just I remember the gist of the story, but it's like a king that's trying to get to the top of the tower and then he tries to make a ladder or something to reach the heavens. Mm-hmm. But it was completely in Spanish and then other books too. Um, but then when it came to speaking, I don't think I remember a lot of speaking to my parents in Spanish because of TV. Oh. So TV was basically the way that I spoke English in the beginning. Yeah, that's funny. I totally relate to that. Like um, when I was a kid, I feel like I learned most of my English through like uh, TV commercials and stuff like that. It's like yeah. I'd, hear, I'd hear a word I didn't understand and I was always curious to ask my parents like, oh, what does this word mean? And uh, that's how I built up my dictionary. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I... Yeah, I think, and it was a little bit weirder because, like, all I had as a reference point at that point was my older sister. And mm-hmm. and it was literally us talking to each other because my parents at that point would not speak English to us at all. And then I couldn't ask them stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, oh, sorry, you want to jump in? Oh, no, I was just saying, I was going to say that it was the same with my sister. I mean, it was really like me and her would be the ones... She's, I have an older sister, three years older, so she would, me and her, we would have our English conversations and then yeah, our right. family would be mostly Spanish. But as we got older, and I think um, they, I guess, immersed themselves more in English-speaking communities as well, then I think that we started speaking a little bit more English in the house as well. So it kind of changed over time. Um, I don't know what your experience was. In that regard uh, yeah no it's the same as 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 we got more immersed as we had more financial wealth as yeah. it just it, it, as things came it, it was just like yeah i found myself speaking to my parents in english more and more and like talking about things just more more clearly like about america and stuff yeah and just for uh clarity how many uh siblings do you have I have two sisters and one brother. Okay. Are, and, you, are uh, they older or where are you in the line of? Well, well, for a long time I was considered the oldest because, you know, oldest male. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, No, I'm the second oldest. Okay. okay. Right on. Anyways, that was a little digression. Um, but so you were saying that... Uh, your girlfriend kind of pushed you to go into college, right? And, yeah, uh, so I guess my love for her was like the reason I felt motivated to go to college. I guess the support. More like I had support than anything. Because so, oh, I was going to ask you, what, what, what about your parents? What did they think about you going to college? Did they push you to go uh, to college? To keep studying? It was like a demand more than okay. like, okay. it was like, like we expect you to go to college, but you're going to have to figure that one out. And I was Do you just think like, you would have still gone if it weren't for your for your uh, girlfriend? Um, would you have rebelled? I mean, I think at that moment I was already kind of rebelling. Um, I mean, there were, it was tumultuous times in my family where I was just kind of like not meeting expectations. But it, it, I just remember a lot of talks with my my teachers and my uh, counselors and my principal with my parents about how like. Oh, he's so bright. He's such a smart student. Blah, 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 blah. But he just 
doesn't seem to want to do things the way we want them to be do, done or whatever. And I was just like, but why if I'm bored out of my mind, you know? Yeah. And I just, <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that was just my thinking back then. When, you know, if I, would, if I were talking to my older self, I'd be like, just do it. It's easy. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. What do you think could have been done different, I guess, in your experience? back then to kind of engage you and and I guess change your attitude towards the school I mean give me more hope yeah because at the time for people in my case I just knowing what was possible because in the time like thinking it doesn't matter how smart I am if I can't fill out xbox xbox and xbox on a piece of paper I mean I can tell you like you know how math works I can tell you physics and history I mean I mean I mean it's one of those trips where like I felt like I was the most engaged one in, in economics and politics in my school but why because I cared to know things because it affected me yeah mm-hmm. right but if like if you just had like if you knew that there was people in this case and there was someone there like giving me these options saying this is possible for you like it is now like you know, being able, being able to pay in-state tuition, being able to look out for grants from private citizens. Um, I mean, it's better now that there's things like DACA and all that for now. We'll find out about SCOTUS <laughs> later. Um, um, but just resources. And then I, I don't think I would have rebelled as much because I wouldn't have felt like this, like, existentialism. Like, man, I'm like, I felt existentialism when I was, like, that old. Yeah. Like that's just messed up. <laughs> yeah, can be uh traumatizing for a kid, right? To feel like yeah. you have no power in this situation, you have no control over your future, right? Yeah, it can be yeah, difficult definitely. to deal with. Yeah. yeah. So large uncertainty, right? I mean, I can see why you wouldn't be so engaged. <laughs> you have a lot of other things to it's like what's the point of doing this? So you never know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, you're just um, trying to, I mean, at some point, you're just trying to sleep at night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so then I guess the only line of support that I felt was from my girlfriend's parents and her at the time. And and that got me to go to Cal State Fullerton at the time. And at that point was when my science career started because this is where I, I was like, okay, I'm going to be an engineer. I don't know what that meant at the time. <laughs> but, but when I got there, the first thing they told me was like, you need to choose what type of engineer you're going to be. So for like, because when I applied, it, the major said engineer and that's what I applied for. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, when I filled that thing out, I had no idea what I was doing. I just put whatever was on my transcript and I just, you know, just chose things as it came. I was just like, at this point, I'm just happy if I get in. But, um, uh, so then they, showed, they told me, you have to choose what type of engineering. And I was like, what is there? And then they're like, there's this list, that list, and that list, and that list. And I'm just like, I don't even know what any of that means. <laughs> like, I, I guess I'll be an electrical engineer. Cool. So they ask you to pick the, the specific engineering you want to go to at the beginning, right before you even get into the school? Yeah. That was in my orientation day. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. That was weird. I mean, I mean 
Yeah. And actually, that day was kind of funny because um, <laughs> that's a really, like, weird story. Uh, so at some point, I had messed up the orientation days or something like that. And I forget if it was my fault or their fault. But at some point, there was, like, a misunderstanding. And and uh, when I show up to the orientation day, uh, I go with my girlfriend and and her mom. And when I get there, they told me that I can't be there and I have to wait till the end, basically till before classes start. And then I might get classes. I might not. Mm-hmm. That's what they told me. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to school. It's like but, more uncertainty, yeah. Yeah, but her mom didn't let that slide. That's good. Uh, she she uh, literally like went up to the people who were doing the orientation and was like, why, why can't he do this? Oh, and then they said, oh, because his appointment wasn't today. So, so for X, Y, X, Y, and Z reasons, he can't do it. And they're like, but she like specifically, why can't he do it? Why, like, uh, why can't he just, you know, sign up for classes and, you know, get on it? Like, what is, what would be so hard about that? And then they were saying a bunch of things and I don't remember exactly why they started arguing, but then they started arguing. And then <laughs> she threw out, she threw out the race card and she said, it's cause he's Mexican, huh? <laughs> and it kind of felt that way because I was kind of one of very few. Um, but, uh, yeah, like that got me my orientation. That's great. Right. So, um, you got into Fullerton. Did, did your girlfriend get into the same school? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she she went for communication studies. Uh, I, I think her, she always knew what she wanted to be. I think she lawyer. Oh. So her parents were more involved with you in the college process than your parents. Oh yeah, yeah. But it was kind of more like they would ask me, hoping hoping I would say I already knew what I was doing because they didn't want to be in the position position to be like oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I see. Well, they. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have experience either in how college no. works here. So yeah. And he didn't even know who to go for to help. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't blame him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good thing you had that resource, right? It sounds like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. girlfriend's Without the... <laughs> But it was still a tumultuous time because I was still in this, like, uh, like, you know, still like, you know, like, you know, pretty, I was pretty uh, vulnerable to a lot of things. And, and that's probably why when, we finally broke up for whatever reason. And this, I think the strain on our relationship was because I didn't have a positive outlook on life. Like I didn't have like, like I was fun and I was outgoing, but I never, I never was working towards something. I mean, I was kind of doing what I was supposed to be doing, but I never was like working towards like something. And that, that, that was kind of like the breaking point. And then when we broke up, that kind of just like spun me upside down. I kind of just like, yeah, it just made it harder <laughs> to do anything. How, how long had you guys been together before you broke up? A uh, year and six months. Yeah. Okay. A year and a half-ish. Oh, yeah. that's long, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so we, you broke up in first first semester or of college or second semester? Yeah, after the first one, yeah. After the first one. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess that kind of set me on a track where like, I wasn't doing so well in school. 
but again, that was just compounded by another thing because at the time, one, I didn't drive because I didn't have a license because of my situation. So I rode the bus to school and that was like an hour drive, I think, on the bus or something like that. So to get to calculus at seven in the morning, I had to leave my house at 530 in the morning and be awake for calculus. <laughs> calculus too, of all things. <laughs> They didn't have uh, any leader classes, 7 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I was stuck with. <laughs> you got to love those counselors, right? They really look out for you. <laughs> um, they put you on the path to success. Um, but, um, yeah, so that basically made it really hard to go to that class. And then, and then at the same time, I had to have a job because... My parents said I needed to have a job, basically. To so, pay for, for To pay for stuff, stuff. yeah. Yeah, because yeah, at the time I was paying for college. It's out of my pocket. Yeah, yeah and at the time, my parents couldn't help me. Not, not realistically, they couldn't. I couldn't just ask them for the money and be like, I'll pay you back or anything like that. And loans were non-existent. Help was non-existent. So I had to get a job uh, so I could pay for stuff. And my first job was at Target. And I had to go through the rings of how to get that job because of my case. Um, which, again, <laughs> another toll, you know, just another thing to worry about. What is that um, process like? What's the, what are the rings you have to go through to... Not a good, not good stuff. <laughs> not stuff you would feel proud of. So, uh, but I mean, at this case, it was just like... I mean, it just feels like survival, really. It yeah. feels like this is the only way I'm going to get to do what it is that I'm going to do. Otherwise, what am I doing? I'm just going to lay back. Yeah. Just do nothing, you know? Um, so I got a job at Target. And ended up working like 30-something hours a week. Right, right under 40 so that you don't get benefits. And I think I made like $7 an hour. And I think my checks came out to be like nothing, basically. <laughs> so after it's all said and done, I pay my books, I pay my glasses, you know, my bus pass. I barely have enough to eat at school. Yeah. And I remember sometimes being like, man, I'm hungry. <laughs> and it's like 4 p.m. and I have class till like 8.30 and that ends at 10. And I'm like, what am I going to eat? And there was no food pantries. There was nothing like, mm. you know, and, you know, your pride. I'm not going to go ask my parents for money so I can go eat. I'll just be like, I'll just stay hungry till 10, whatever. And I don't know. It's just all really depressing <laughs> in the end. And I just kind of, how do you get motivated with this? Like, I I can see, like, that's, that's kind of where I can see. I'm like, if I thought at some point I was going to be, the engineer, the doctor, then I'll be like, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. One day I'll be better off. And I'll just grind through it. But I didn't have that. So it all just wore me down. And I think that just made my grades go down. And it, I think it all ended with like the last day of my second semester. Uh, because on the way on the way to my final for human communication studies, which is speech or something, whatever, social speaking, 
forget what it's called. Public speaking? Public speaking, yeah. Um, I was riding the bus, and there was, like, nobody because it was early in the morning. And the bus driver points out and looks at some guy on the side of the road and yells, hey, that guy's been there since, like, four in the morning when I left this way. And he just, it was just so clear. He made it known to everybody was on the bus and he just stops the bus like right in the middle of the street and people who were over just walk out so the only two guys left are me and a homeless guy and we walk over to see what's up uh because he i guess he made it seem like the guy needed help Mm -hmm. uh so when we get there he's like bent over at his truck it's one of those semi trucks um i go to grab him to see like Hey, are you okay? Because he didn't look like he was moving. And I guess I finally get a good view, and he's dead. And he was crushed by his truck oh and stuck God. there. Yeah. And I just remember, like, the feeling of his body, like, not being real. Like, I grab him, and that's when I'm like, oh, he's dead because he feels like a doll. He doesn't feel like a human being. So that kind of really, because <laughs> I still went to class and I still took my final and that kind of just, I kind of broke down in the middle of the final because I couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah, that's intense. That's Yeah, because the guy reminded me, yeah, he reminded me of my dad. He's like this guy who went to work one day to go feed his family, you know, to give him the chance to do anything. And he's dead. Yeah. Yeah, I broke down, started crying. Everyone was like, what's wrong with you? It's kind of sad because my ex-girlfriend was in the same class. And, and like, I'm in the hallway sobbing because I couldn't, I don't know, I couldn't hold it. I just, I didn't know what to do. I was yeah. kind of having, like, a mini panic attack. And she kind of just goes out and looks at me like, what's wrong with you? But, like, in a, like, why can't you hold yourself together? And that was, yeah. And I mean, she didn't know. She was just, I don't know what she thought it was, but. Yeah, it was just hard. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah, but if you see someone, you know, literally bawling like that and so emotional, my first reaction would be, you know, trying to figure out and care for the person, you know, and help them yeah. help them get through, right? But obviously you guys had... It's stressful times. Yeah, stressful times. Yeah, college, wow. mid- college finals. Yeah. No, I don't know anybody who's not stressed at that moment. Especially when you're a freshman. Um, yeah, so that basically led to me like being like put on academic probation, and then like because of um, your final grade or something like that. Yeah, in my first year, I had messed up, and I didn't drop a class because I didn't like the class, and I got a WU because I didn't know what WUs were. Again, I don't know what's going on. So that put me. An academic probation, or no, that didn't, that didn't put me on academic probation, but it's, it's like at that school, if you got a W your first year, you automatically can't get like an F the next semester. Right. And 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 I guess I ended up getting an F in one of my classes that semester. So that basically got me disqualified. Okay. Yeah. And then you get in probation? I guess, no, it all happened at once. I just got disqualified. So I, I, I couldn't come the next semester until. I retook classes to get my grades up. 
those two classes basically i had to retake them but then but then here goes the kicker (laughs) so i'm working pay my classes right so i have to pay for the classes as open enrollment not as a student so to for one class was like two thousand dollars yeah so i mean at that point i was just like what am i even doing like i'm just (laughs) i don't even know what i'm doing wow yeah yeah see this is where there should be like you know a good good counselors and good you know there in for first years even more so where they're checking in with you a little bit more continuously seeing oh you're having problems because of this 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 reason um and then kind of they should you shouldn't have been disqualified i guess is what i'm trying to say there should have been an intervention there because obviously you were having even the traumatic experience that you had like i feel like that should be enough to to let you go on to the next semester and not yeah. disqualify you, as you said, you know. So Yeah. Yeah. I don't know and if looking you're... Ba- yeah, okay. I mean. Yeah, what were you going to say, looking back? Oh, I'm like, looking back, I mean, I can see kind of how things worked out structurally with the school. I mean, at those points, they're trying to get kids through school. They're trying to push them through school and make them take 20 units, you know, get them through the programs so their stats go up. So... And it's still That's, like that? It's kind of still like that, yeah. But, I mean, there I think there's a lot. It, I'm specifically, only I can only speak to departments, but uh, they're like, uh, they'll talk to you a lot more. Cause that, that's, that's how I felt my physics program was. Like, like they want to know what's going on with you kind of things. Like you where think you're it's at. just because it's the physics department? Because they're small. Man, yeah. yeah, I mean, I my physics department, every department, like I, you know, visited other departments and thought about majoring in other things. And the physics department seemed to be, like the people who cared the most and were always kind of checking in. But that was also this probably the smallest department on campus as well. So, yeah. So they have the resource, the time, and yeah, and I think attention. I think their outlook was that I think because in our our school they focused a lot of on diversity and that I would presume that meant that they were, they were thinking about things that would affect people who are in our positions. So they probably had that on their mind. They're like, Oh, maybe so-and-so is not doing well because X, Y, Z that I can't think about. Maybe I should ask them. Yeah. I mean, they should just ask though, you know, (laughs) they should all just ask. (laughs) Yeah. Seems like a pretty obvious question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what's going on with you? Why are you having the issues? Right? But um, yeah, I mean, I hope that, you know, universities start to change a little bit in that regard. Look yeah. at people's individuals instead of a cookie cutter. You have to follow this procedure and go through it this way, you know. Um, yeah. it, it makes everything stronger if you do that because then you're including diversity in your program. Um, and the just diverse, by, yeah, just the diversity of thought is necessary, right? But we know that to innovation. be true. Yeah, we know that. To, we know that to be true. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is a trap that all types of schooling fall into. Is um, a, a story I've been a narrative I've been hearing over and over, like on our podcast and then on other people's podcasts, whether they go to school is like. I don't know, they feel frustrated that to be put in this cookie cutter situation, to be learning all this extraneous bullcrap and to be treated 
I guess in this case, <laughs> equality of treatment is kind of a bad thing, right? In, in terms of like not seeing the person as an individual causes them to like feel a, a disconnect from uh, engaging in the whole process at all. Uh, like treating everyone the same yeah, instead exactly. of equitable. Instead of yeah. equitable. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're correct. <laughs> yeah. You can't give everyone the same ladder. Because not everyone can reach as high. Yeah. 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 But um. Anyway, so um, what happened with uh, Fullerton? I mean, after you had that rough first year. Yeah. Well, I had to. I find out how I was going to get back into school, and then I felt like that was just. It felt like it was a pointless struggle. Hmm. It was kind of just too much. So then, that's when I was like, whatever. I'll just live my life. I'll just do the things I never got to do anyways. So then I just started working, uh, making more money. I started doing uh, more construction stuff. Um, so I've, I've been doing that with my dad since I was like 16. I'd always been working okay. with him. Yeah. Um, and so I started doing that. And I did it on my own because at that point I didn't want to, I guess I felt like I distanced myself from my family because it's more like shame that I just didn't, I didn't do what they wanted or they expected. And I was like, okay, I'm going to distance myself, but like, I'm mad at you, but really I'm just mad at myself. (laughs) So I worked on my own. Um, I thought I could pick myself up and I started making pretty good money at the time. Like, I guess at the time it was like 1,500 a week. So at that moment, I thought I was like rich, <laughs> right? But it was just a lot of work. It was, was it a lot 1, of thousand five hundred a week. Yeah, yeah, you're a lot richer that's, than that's, us. That's yeah, it's a lot <laughs> richer than us for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it was a lot of work, and it was just, it wasn't good work. It was doing what people asked me to do, even though I didn't want to do it, kind of thing. Like it wasn't like it wasn't like I was a craftsman where I was t- where I was like working with like a client saying this is what you want but this is I think this is what you need for my professional opinion I think I was just kind of just doing whatever people ask me to do and just taking their money uh, and that basically just led to me partying a lot because I had so much money in my pocket like, did you live um, alone did you live in an apartment or do you live with your parents still or uh, from the beginning I moved I lived with my parents yeah but but then I got an apartment. Um, but yeah, I just spent a lot of time being with my friends and just going out a lot, experiencing things, going to concerts, going to clubs, just meaningless stuff, trying to be something I'm not. Because <laughs> I couldn't be the thing that I wanted to be, basically. Um, and What's the thing you wanted to be then? Uh, put my thought to use like uh, be in a position where I like you know people ask me things and I could I was worth something like my mind was worth something I wasn't just like this novel thing like oh that kid's smart like I you some some importance you know like a good job like an engineer I did, at that point, I didn't know what I wanted to be. At that point, I just, uh, I just 
thought engineer because you know I've been known about wow they're persistent I think you got you cut off again unfortunately yeah um it's gonna keep calling um oh someone's calling yeah, hopefully they get the hint call somebody else <laughs> So, yeah, basically engineer because basically construction and math. I'm really good at math, and apparently I'm good at construction um, just because of experience, just one of those things. Um, but I couldn't be that, so I just felt like I should just be what I already am, which is like every other Mexican male, just a construction worker. I literally fell in that category because that's all I thought I was worth at the time. But that ended really quick because <laughs> I got tired because I was like, I'm literally just working for nothing. And uh, <laughs> the things that I'm getting in return are just not worth it. They're just, you know, short gratifications. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then what then what happened? Uh, I think in California AB five forty had passed. Oh no, I think Which it was is... already case. It was it was already case, but it was it gave it, it gave students the ability to uh, actually get help and money from state grants, not federal grants. It, I think it was I think AB five forty had already started when I was in college in the first time in school. And then it got made. So before it was just to get resident tuitions, like not pay the not out of state fee, and and then it was actual money. So then, then I basically thought, oh, like I I basically thought, oh, I could actually try this out. Like I could, I could, uh, I could go back and do something about this. And. And then I had to figure out how to do that, basically. I had to figure out, okay, how do I get back to school after I've gone through all this, right? Like, what does this mean? Like, what do I have to change or what do I have to fix? And I basically went back to community college to change my grades to get back into school. And that's when I developed the more like, oh, I'm going to be a mechanical engineer now because, because I have a mechanical mind. And that's when I started doing well in classes. Like that's when I actually started doing what I was supposed to be doing because I guess outlook changed in life. I don't know. And then I, so through a school program, I got help with fixing my grades uh, called academic renewal. Once you've done really well for like a couple of semesters, they basically forgive your bad grades. So all of a sudden I had a good GPA and, and, uh, a good track record. So then that's when I started applying to schools and I actually had like, our school actually had a lot more um, resources to help me out and figure out how I was going to pay for stuff in schools that I can go with too. So in that, in, for in that moment, I ended up applying to a lot of schools. Um, and it was basically in the end between two schools that were near me and one's, one's a polytechnic and one's, one's Long Beach where I met Joe and you can tell which one I went to in the end. <laughs> <It was long laughs> yeah. 
but it was kind of funny because for a lot of the other schools I had applied to as a mechanical engineer, but for some reason I decided to apply to Long Beach as a physics major. Why? And it was on a it was on a whim because the physics professor that I had at my community college, I just really liked him. Like mm-hmm. he was just a really cool person. Like he had a lot of character. Like he used to be a junior Olympic athlete for cycling. Wow. <laughs> we, go we, again. Have a, we have a professor we have a physics pr- professor here um that loves to cycle so uh-huh. yeah. that's why we were laughing when you said that he was uh, okay it makes, so it might be a it might be a thing a physics <laughs> thing yeah 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 but he was always like we always really connect when we were talking about stuff because we kind of had in that in that mind, we kind of had the same kind of had that kind of oh, let's talk really fast about things and it's all our ideas. It's like you know, work and do a bunch of stuff. And I don't know. I guess he saw that I really like physics, and then on that whim, I, I applied to Long Beach Physics degree. And lo and behold, I liked it a lot more than engineering because I I really hated. You uh, hated what? So, like the the mechanics version for engineering. Oh, okay. Um, and the dynamics class was even worse. So that's basically first year general mechanics of physics, but for engineers. Oh, okay. Because all they did was literally go on a board and just uh, start with something and then end up with a final product. So just basically solve problems on the board all day and I was just like this is enlightening (laughs) I learned how to solve an equation (laughs) Um, I had no actual meaning as to what was going on like what's x double dot second derivative whenever it was like oh that's some acceleration force maybe I don't know (laughs) that's what they would tell you no. <laughs> they didn't say anything. Like, they just they you just say x double dot and then you see the next line. Yeah. And yeah, they never just, explained what any of this means at all. Yeah, I think one of the lessons I remember the most was, you know, a spinning sphere, which is the one we do. And then you get the Coriolis effect, right? You did the the derivation and at some point they're like, Oh, what's that? What's that little term that came out of the derivation? Oh, that's Coriolis But I'm like, why did it come out of derivation? Like how did the math work out? Like what, why, <laughs> like, how did we get from A to B? Like, why did we choose to do the things that we did? Was it just on a whim? It was those whys that basically led me to be like, Oh, Hey, I probably want to know more about this stuff. And I'm like, and it turns out, Hey, that's what you do in physics. And yeah, yeah that led me on my path to go meet Joe. Captain Long Beach. <laughs> right. So, um, when in your physics career did we meet again? I, I, in terms of like how far along you were, we had oh my first class. Um, okay. We had Mathematica together. Okay, that was your first class. I think so. Wow. Okay. I think so. Yeah, I think that was my first semester. Yeah, because I yeah I had barely met you, Lizzie, Juan, who else? Adriel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Juan. He's been on the podcast before. Yeah, our other friend Juan. 
Yeah. Like I have a character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when your first time was you know, when we had class together. But I always felt like, man, I'm gonna stick out like a sore thumb. All these people probably know each other. <laughs> I'm gonna be that obnoxious guy. I mean, you weren't too late to the party. I mean, because um, in my experience, like I went to Long Beach right after uh, high school, and okay. My first uh, year or two was kind of was actually pretty lonely um, because I would be taking physics classes, um, but the intro physics are so inundated with engineers that anytime I made a friend or connection, I wouldn't see them ever again because um, oh. <laughs> they're done sense. with physics. Uh, but once I started getting to the higher level physics, uh, my first like advanced physics lab is when I met Adriel and, uh, then we kind of hit it off and eventually I just, as you say, on a whim, I kind of just invited a bunch of people over to my house. And from that time on the click kind of started uh-huh. and it was probably like a semester or two later, you came, you came in then for Mathematica. Um, okay. So, um, it was kind of like after that point that we kind of got super tight knit, and you know. Oh, so I came like in the perfect time. It all just yeah. worked out. Yeah, it's good time. Oh, that's cool. Y- you were the cohesive glue that put everyone together. Mm-hmm. What was that? You were the glue that got everyone together. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I would say that. <laughs> I well, wasn't there. I wouldn't know, but <laughs> and that probably would have fallen on Adriel. I think he tried the hardest to make everybody hang out. Because I think he's the one inviting me into the group. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know uh, what goes on behind the scenes for all the clicky stuff. But <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, those are good times. How did you feel about your time at Long Beach and um, studying physics and just overall it was experience? Probably one of the most positive impacts in my life because. I met a lot of genuine people, like people who literally were just themselves. And I don't know if that's just with busy people, but they weren't trying to be anything else. They were like some of the most genuine characters. Yeah. Yeah. Our department definitely had <laughs> a lot of characters. Right? <laughs> yeah. They're def- that's that's kind of what like, because people were so different. Like people were so blatantly themselves and you just saw how like, Oh, this is what real people are like. They have all these intricacies, all these like traits about them that that make them them basically. Because before, I, to me, everyone was just homogenous. Everyone was just trying to be the same thing. Yeah, what are people usually like? I mean, now that I feel like I don't see anyone outside of physics anymore. Like I don't even remember what the outside world is like. Okay, uh, sorry about that, everyone. Well. Technical difficulties, but back online now. Um, anyway, so where did we left off? Um, basically, I think you were just recounting like how you felt about your undergrad physics experience. Oh, yeah, and how that basically nurtured the whole why I liked physics at all, basically. That's, I think that's when I was beginning to find out that I really, really, really liked physics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you were pretty good at it 
from what I remember. Uh, so. I mean, it seemed like I was good at it, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of struggle. <laughs> it was a lot of... I think it was one of the only things that I really wanted to just sit there and work at it. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess I could relate it to, like, you know, when you you play a game, like an MMORPG or whatever, and everyone sees, like, oh, man, this guy's got, like, the the best armor, like, he's got all the rare stuff and whatever, and, like, he must be so good. But in reality, you just spend a lot, a lot, a lot of time on it. Like, you just mm-hmm. you didn't give up. Like, you weren't you didn't feel like you couldn't get that thing just because you had to have like a 5% chance of getting it, you know, it's just like Pokemon and you get the, <laughs> get the, the rare Pokemon. Yeah. I think that's true of physics in general than probably a lot of other disciplines. Cause I think it's considered difficult almost universally. Um, but I do feel like it's more difficult for others than for, <laughs> Um, certain people, you know, like, yeah, uh, like I take, I consider myself one of those people. Like, I went into physics because I wasn't good at it, um, relative to people around me, you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's uh, the only way <laughs> you do well is by grinding at it forever. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. So for some people, it's just not, it's not feasible in some sense because like. Sometimes your math background is a little bad for like, like for me in the beginning, the struggle, the struggle, the biggest struggle was always just English. It was just reading the textbook. That was the hardest thing for me is reading a textbook Mm -hmm. written by some English guy or whatever, or some person that wants to seem like they know English really well and me not getting the idea, like not getting what they were trying to get across. You know, like, like the worst lines were always like, oh, you know, you do this and this and this, and it should be apparent. It should be self-evident, you know, that, you know, uh, the answer's there, you know, you'll see it. And I was just like, uh, <laughs> spell it out for me because <laughs> I, I don't see it, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So huh. the language of the, the language of physics was a curve. Excuse uh, physics pop in the background. <laughs> All right. She's <laughs> but, super excited. Yeah. Hopefully she calms down. But um, but yeah, anyways, I think that's something that should be on more physicist radars, right? Like, um, like, you're not the only person I know that has difficulty reading the material, right? And I can think of no good reason as to why it has to be presented in that way, right? I mean, I think maybe more effort should be made to um, just to put more consideration in, ter- in, ter- in terms of people who might have difficulty approaching the material in that specific way. Yeah. I, I mean, looking back, I think I have a little insight, like, because I've thought about it. I'm like, why, why, why would you write a book this way? Or why would why would they set up the courses in the way that they do or like the curriculum, you know? And it feels like there there was like this want for like people who are in, in the field or in the physics, like they want to nurture some aha. Like they want to, they want to seem 
like the realization of ideas as like organic like you sat there and you thought about this and it it came into your mind as the answer uh like it was it was like some the idea just popped into your head like like it would have for anybody who at the time was coming up with the idea like when Einstein came up with it, it was like oh this is relativity after looking at the math so much and struggling through it it just went ah into my brain and it feels like when I was taking the classes and we were doing that, it just felt like that's what they wanted you to experience. But when you really think about it, it's like, why? We're not all going to be physics professors. We're not all going to be theorists, you know? And sometimes the hardest part is just having the general idea so that you can think about it further. So you can like, so you can uh, assimilate into like being a physicist, you know, like feel like, Oh, I know the, I know the, the lingo now. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. I haven't thought of that, um, but I could see what you mean. Um, to me, it seems like drugs. <laughs> to me, it seems, it seems like, uh, they've had a lot of good, they had a lot of them. Like you get, no, no. I mean, like, it seems like you get a, a big dopamine hit when something like, that, <gasps> Hey, when oh. something like that happens, you know? Oh yeah. That's super true because that's probably why I liked physics because of those i see i get it i sat there for a million hours now i get it yeah but i felt like that it didn't have to be a million hours it could have been like maybe like a hundred thousand hours (laughs) order of magnitude would have helped i think yeah yeah that's a good point i mean i think there's something there i think like if you delve down into the details you could pull out something that could be beneficial towards educating people, but um, I'm not sure specifically how we would do that. But, we wouldn't know until we do it, right? Yeah, exactly. Right, so um, you finished your physics undergrad, right? Uh, it, was it the semester after me or the uh, two semesters? I forget uh, when did you, you finished. Did you do, you did fall, right? Yeah, yes, <laughs> I think so. I forget. Oh, no, yeah, because I think you had stayed an extra semester, right? Yes. You could, you could have been done in the fall. Yeah. So I think, for yeah, for us, it was the year after. Okay. You, yeah. And that, that was, that, I think I, sh- I should have been able to finish earlier, but I, I messed up somehow in the way I took my classes. Mm. Like, I, I think E&M was the one that messed me up, because at the time, I should have taken 348. I didn't which is the first semester. I should have taken 240 in the first semester. And I didn't, take up t- didn't end up taking it until the next year. So I guess that's what held me back. But that also let me take all the electives, like solid state and, you know, mm-hmm. all the goodies, which I really, really like. <laughs> um, yeah, so then I, we get to, like, what, like, hey, now, cool, I like physics. What am I going to do with that? <laughs> I've I've never thought about it that much. Mm-hmm. It was it was more like at that point it was just more about getting a degree, and you know just being like yeah, you know telling myself yeah I could get it, like I wasn't fooling myself earlier when I was younger, like something attainable you know it's a goal that I can achieve. But as far as like what comes next, I was never really thinking about it, and I mean. At a time, everyone else is like, oh, PhD, 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 PhD. And I honestly hadn't thought about it that much. 
but it felt like something I wanted to do. Um, but again, <laughs> it was another tumultuous time because we had our great leader elected. <laughs> He's talking about me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you. You were a tumultuous one. <laughs> no, it was it was the other great leader. <laughs> that one in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that the other great leader. <laughs> yeah, he uh, definitely ruined things for me. Okay. Yeah, and that's one of well, those like, things where. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but like, you mean personally, or you mean like in terms of your outlook? Personally, and outlook again. I mean, it was just another hit. I mean, again, I was a lot older. I was. A lot more mature like i think i was a little more hardy about it but um but at the time i had i had the, the daca status the dream act and at that point like i basically felt like i could do whatever i wanted because you know i felt like i had the ability to do things and i guess it was 2000 so i think it was the year before that he had ended the daca program and they stopped renewing. Mm. Um, but in the language of the of the order, you could renew if you had a renewal coming up. But if you were past a certain date, like if you if your renewal was on this date, then you couldn't renew. And I just happened to fall into that category. And I think that was in I forget when that was. 2016? Probably. 2017? I forget. But basically, my last semester, my last year, I spent without... I, I had no status. Again, I was I was back to square one, basically. I had no status. And I, that's when it got hard, because I was like, how does one pursue a PhD with no status? And I was like, oh, I'll just Google it. I'm just bound to be other people. And it was basically, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you're going to have to figure out with the school how that's going to work out. Because as you know, your money comes from, you get paid basically as, you know, uh, as a worker. And like, I mean, I couldn't do that. So yeah, I basically had to do something and be like, well, I mean, I don't know when I'm going to get status again because it was literally court this court that it's in court it's in court and this or that and i went to like four or five lawyers and they all told me no you can't you have to wait till this court decision happens or that court decision happens uh they sued in texas they sued in california and all this and so i don't know i think at some point i kind of just was like well i can't do it right now so there's no point in like I don't know, like, mo like moping over it. Like, there's no point in like, like saying like, oh, it's never gonna happen. I just gotta move on. And I think I'm pretty. Sure we had this conversation about how I was like trying to figure out whether how I how my outlook changed because of my family. I don't know if we talked about this, but basically, right now. It was like, go to grad school, do it for myself, be gone for my family for like six years. Or 
because now I've just recently gotten status again. So I now I have the opportunity and I, I can go back and do it. But now I have the, also the opportunity to like, like elevate my family basically like create wealth in my family. And, and this is more like a product of me getting older. Like, like the older I get, the more concerned about my family I get, the more like, I want to take care of my parents and not be so selfish in a way. So yeah, it's, I'm at that point basically. Right. So, um, well, I guess what I wonder as your friend is, um, yeah. <laughs> is, is it's a, it's a fine balance between, um, taking responsibility which i think is a good habit for yourself and the people around you and um being compassionate and trying to support them but also showing that same kindness to yourself right in terms of pursuing what you want to pursue right because if you're doing something to support your family but you're miserable if they could still survive right without you being miserable then i think it's probably worthwhile for you to pursue what you want. So I guess I just would want to check in in terms of like, as it stands right now, what do you feel like you want to do? Uh, so this is the catch. Like I'm telling you, like I'm, I'm getting older and before it would have been easy. I'd be like, well, my parents are okay. Like they're not, they're not poor. They're not rich. They're okay. You know? And my brother, my sister, they can figure it out. My younger sister, they can figure it out. You know? I don't have to be the one supporting all them. I'll just take off. You know, that was my mentality before. Like, that's, that was easy. That was like, like, I wouldn't even question it. I would just be like, this is what I want. And I know my, my mental health is more important than anything else. But now it actually feels like it's something I want to do too. So, you know, you sit there and you think about, oh, how's my life going to be? What is, like, what goals am I trying to reach? And what is the end goal? Like, if I'm going to be a, you know, PhD, why? Like, is that just for my vanity? Or is that because sincerely I want to, like, create new science? Like, and if I am creating new science, like, like, how does that play with the other stuff that I want? Like, my family, you know, like, my parents, like, you know, my extended, like, everyone around me. And the more you think about it, the more like, it's like, well, it's a trade-off and it's almost like I don't want to make the trade-off and, and at this point it can just go either way. I think if I did either or I'd kind of be just as happy. So it's one of those just, you know, just choose, you know. So is the choice like supporting your family? And I guess right now you're doing construction work? Yeah, so general contracting. Okay. Maybe like like basically growing a company and like and making it something big because So okay, good. Yeah, so yeah. essentially and you can tell tell us more about that cuz I I want to know more about it. So it's essentially creating this this company. Yeah. Um and then you also would have like, you know, artistic liberty also I'm guessing in creating the projects. Yeah, so that's another. That's the other aspect is that a lot of the, 
a lot of what I've been doing recently has been like people like validating my my abilities like because before it wasn't the case before I was in the field but I was just always too young I was always just like oh you can't know anything because yeah you're just a kid right like you I I would only I would only believe you if you were like 50 years old or something like that you don't know what you're talking about and it's just the way the game is it's just like yeah. you have to come up you have to come up the ranks you can't just jump but I was like no why, why? <laughs> no I have, I have ideas okay I I spent a lot of time learning this um so as of late I've just been doing a lot of interesting projects where like people literally go here's my house build it for me and I want you involved in this and I want your opinion and I want you to make decisions and what's come out of that has been like pretty gratifying because it's very I mean it goes down to the bottom of who we are you know mm-hmm. you know in the end we make money to what shelter ourselves close us clothe ourselves and then in the end, we have all these wants, you know, some people want, want to live somewhere nice. Some people just want to have uh, the biggest house, the smallest house, you know, it doesn't matter, but people just want something. Mm-hmm. And, and when I do that, I feel like I'm part of their lives. Like I get pretty, get to know them pretty well. Uh, I get to know their family pretty well. And it's just like in science, I feel like I'm doing something. Yeah, that's no. really that's really cool. So you build them from you build, help build, I guess, houses from scratch. Yeah, from scratch or um, or teardowns or remodels. Okay, so everything is it's. I mean, each thing you make is unique to that person, right? I mean, you get to know their personality or what they like, and you help plan out something that's like tailored to them. Yeah, yeah, because in the end, you want the customer to be happy. That's yeah, that's really nice. And the other thing is, I want to also be really honest with what they have and what they don't have. Like I'm not really in it to become rich. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, cause I've been in the industry for so long. There's just like all these like things where like you just get it done as fast as possible so you can make your highest margin. But I genuinely like do value my work and my like, 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 like an artisan. Like I want, people to like be like he is reputable like this person will stand by his work yeah that's amazing i mean yeah the truth is a lot of times they're building houses so quickly and there's a lot of issues with them because they didn't put in the time and the effort to make sure that everything is quality right so yeah well yeah sometimes you're reaching sometimes you want to have the biggest house but you're trying to do it for the cheapest so yeah setting your expectations also matters yeah that's great so, I mean, it seems like this hits a lot of things that you, I guess, are looking for, right? This company? Yeah. Like, do you but see again, this something that, yeah, you would like, you could easily be happy doing further than maybe the rest of your life or a really extended period of your life? Yeah. I mean, it's something you're creating, so it's that feels nice. Um, and it's something that has to grow and change with, with, uh, with the world and how it's changing because the way you 
build is always going to change. It's building science. It's always going to, it's going to going to tailor itself around what the social policies are, where people want to go towards, you know, do you want to go more urban? Do you want to go suburban, um, rural, uh, do people want natural products? Do people want synthetic products, house efficiency? Uh, you know, it's, there's a lot that goes into it and there's a lot of room to master it and become like not stagnate basically. And that, yeah. that's kind of something you seek too. So you don't want to stagnate. Um, but again, then I, but see, I, I'm always torn because I always go hear about what Joe is doing or what else is doing. And then like my, like the other part of my brain that says, you know, like, Oh man, I want to know more things. Like, I want to understand this better. I want to send that better. Uh, so I guess the question for me is, do you think getting a PhD, because it seems like you're still interested in get, getting more education at yeah, some point, absolutely. learning more, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and then the, and the truth is if you're trying to, oh, you know, keep this business or start this business, it's going to take up most of your time, I'm guessing, right? So you don't have that much time to be learning on the side. So you really have to being kind older. of dedicate yourself, right, to learning. Yeah. And do you think that getting a PhD could help you in the later on in the business if you want to continue doing that? Yeah. Yeah. How would it help you? Um, administratively, I mean, I know from experience that my, my first degrees have helped me because they form who I am and how I, how I look at things. Yeah. Um, and maybe, maybe there's something where I'm going to just narrow in more. Like maybe what it, maybe what, it, maybe what I really like is just building science. Right. And then, and then how do, like, where do I get the tools to be able to further that? And then as getting, in getting a PhD, I feel like, I mean, that teaches you how to rigorously look at things and analyze and get yeah. real results, get real data, real facts, like real things, not just say, oh, I, I, I have a degree, so I think this, like, I, I, think, I think it should be this way and just basically speak out of my ass. Mm -hmm. But when you concrete, like when you look at something concretely and, you know, you build something like a rigorous model and then you test it then you can actually know real facts and you can actually be like uh you can actually be a reference in the like the actual growing of that field or whatever um the only thing is i don't know if i could do both it's kind of one of those things where you just you look at your life and you're like where am i going to be in 10 years like am i going to have these same opportunities in 10 years because right now well, there's a lot Oh, okay. yeah. So go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, so like right now, you know, I have these connections, you know, you know, people know about me. But if I drop out, I mean, are they still going to care about me later on? I mean, how good are these connections like that I've made these relationships like, you know? Well, I mean, do you have someone else that can kind of take over for you while you're you're studying, you know what I mean? Like if you're saying you want to, you want this to be a business and you want it to grow, then that means that at some point you're going to have to have other people that are, you know, affiliated with this bigger business 
And then those people could be the ones who take over for you while you're studying and, you know, improving, gaining new knowledge that you can then come back and apply to the field. And if you're going to do that, I would say do it now, do it earlier, like do it the earliest possible time that you can, because, you know, like you said, your parents are getting older and you want to be there to provide for them. Right now is like still a good time for you to be able to get, get your degree and get it quickly because you're younger. And then you'll have it and then you can build the business even more and continue. And then you'll have the, the money and for your family as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so yeah. if that's something from what I'm hearing, it sounds like this is something that you want. You want both of those things. And I think you can have them both. I honestly think that you can do it. Um, and I don't know. It's just my opinion. Maybe I'm like an optimist. But from 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 everything you've been saying, it sounds like you had the capability, you have the drive, and um, I think now I think earlier is better to to go about and get another degree. So it's just my personal opinion. I don't know all the other details in your life, right? But um, at least from what you said, that's kind of what I would suggest. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, you're joining the list of like maybe a thousand people who've already said that, so. So maybe, right. maybe, you know, a thousand people right. are saying it. You might want to. I don't know. I think I'm just, I know better than all of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's surely, yeah, that is the case. You know? Yeah. So but what I mean, do you really think about that? I guess, I guess, what are your opinions? Like you haven't made that move. So what's, what is going on in your head to saying, no, maybe it's not the right move. Is it fear? Is it? Like, I don't know, uncertainty. I mean, I think it's still the times. I mean, I'm still uncertain about where this is all going to go. Like, like, I don't, you know, it's, before I had, like, a little certainty that, like, you know, uh, it was just going to be the status quo the way it is for me right now for a while until, I don't know, until almost never. But that was okay for me. I mean, I, you know, I didn't see myself, you know, getting married or anything like that and then working through that to get you know to basically end up becoming a citizen and you know that just never seemed like i'm going to rely on that i'm more like relying on the government to change something to give me the chance to do this and it's still that and it i honestly i blame it at this on this administration because before, at least, I had, and it's not had. It has nothing to do with leftist or rightist. It just before, there seemed to be some sort of stability. There, like people would follow the rules, basically. Like, you know, they'd work to get what they wanted, but they'd also would have to, you know, meet other people's needs because that's politics. You know, you're not going to get everything you want. You're just going to try to get the most of what you can, right? But with this administration, it just seems like everything's turned upside down. Like nothing really matters anymore. Like it's just what it's just what you hear on the news, but you don't want to believe that, you know, facts are irrelevant now. Mm-hmm. You know, real real ideas are irrelevant. You know, like <laughs> yeah. social movements are irrelevant. You know, you just have to do what I say, kind of thing. And it's my way or the highway. And it's and then. I have no, I mean, I can hope, but I have no, I have no certainty if that's going to continue. Like, if this is just like, you know, one of those times in history where like, oh, what happened there? <laughs> you know, 
I don't know if this is where the country's moving. I mean, I personally, I don't think so, because the people that I meet every day, the people that I talk to every day, people who are Republicans, people who are libertarians, people who are Democrats are all genuine people. Like these are all people that I make good relationship with, relationship with. We question our politics, but but we understand each other that our politics come from our learned experiences. And as long as we're open to the idea that other people can have different experiences, then we can actually talk about stuff instead of yeah, just exactly. yelling at each other and saying you're wrong. Yeah, exactly. But that's where I'm at. That's basically, I kind of feel like I have to be ready for anything. And I kind of, you know, I, I still kind of protect myself. I still don't want to, you know, be hurt too bad. Yeah. I don't want to get things sense. ripped away from me. I'm just human. Mm-hmm. Well, so what I'm hearing is that it's a fear of, well, it's a fear of uncertainty, right? That um, s- similar to your upbringing, right? You know, uh, yeah, it sounds like a, I don't want to psychoanalyze you or anything, but it, it sounds like your response in the past was, you know, you felt uncertainty in high school, so you kind of just checked out. You know, like um, you didn't know whether you're going to be here. So what's the point in trying? Right. And mm-hmm. I guess I worry that that's a trap. Right. It, what you just said was, you know, you don't want something good taken away from me. Right. So yeah. if. But you're acknowledging in that sentence that that is a good thing that you would be doing. Right. And you're denying yourself the experience of having that good thing at all. Yeah. <laughs> and you say it like it's no big deal right like so but do you I mean, see my point right like you're i mean denying yeah. a good experience when if if you acknowledge and you just try to live in the moment more or less you know you try to um sit realize to yourself that what i'm experiencing is good it may be temporary um but just accept that fact you know i mean it i think it's really shitty to be in that position it's not ideal yeah. obviously but yeah. At least it's something good. No, so you're totally if, right. If you had citizenship now, let's say someone just, you know, a fairy came down and now you have citizenship, oh, would you get the, the PhD? In the world. Yeah. Would you get the PhD? Yeah, it'd be that you easy. Go in just... right now. <laughs> I mean, it's, it seems that way. It feels that way. Like, um,. Yeah, because it then it would feel like it like I would be. I don't know. It feels weird because it's it kind of has to do with entitlements. Like, like when you're in my like when I've been in my position my whole life, I feel like I'm entitled to nothing. Like, like, I can't complain about the cards that I'm dealt. I just have to do whatever, right? And then. It's just because of how my experience has been with government my whole life. Yeah. How, how for like a lot of the time it's just, you can't ask for help because it's not there for you. And I mean, these are things that just echo in the community. Um, so, so in my head, I would feel like if I did have that citizenship, then I would feel entitled. So I'd kind of be more brazen about it. Like, I would just do it regardless of what happened because I know in the end, I feel like this sh- it should be something I should be able to get. 
Is that right to think that way? Probably not. But it's just, I mean, it's, it's my introspection and being like, like where my mind is at at any given time. And right now, this is as much as I thought about it. But, I mean, you're right. I mean, everyone says, why not just do it? If you get it, you get it. And you end up winning in the end. But it's also how much more effort do I have in my life? Because my whole life has been a lot of effort. <laughs> and And in the end, like, you know, there are other things that you want. Like, I don't just want to get a title. I don't want to just get a job. I don't want to just get a house. I also want to like experience things that don't have to do with those things. Uh, one of those things right now for me is rock climbing because it's such a like, it's just a thing that you do, but it's such a big part of my life right now because it's something that I enjoy so much is the experience of being able to be out with nature and do things that I never thought that was, that was open to me kind of thing. And then, you know, you think about existentialism, you think about the end of life and it's like in the end of my life, what do I want to like say that I experienced things that I do the things that I felt like I wanted to do, or did I just do the things that I felt like I had to do? So it's kind of one of those things too. We're like, will I be happy in the end of my life? You know, if I struggled through everything, got the job, opened the company in the end, but then I was like, but I did nothing to like spike it the other part of me, you know, like that part that wants to experience things other than work or like struggle. <laughs> yeah. I, I resonate with those thoughts. I mean, and that's kind of why I do it is from an existential mindset. Um, I guess, like, as a child, I struggled with uh, nihilism, right? It's like when I, was, when I was very young, I felt like the universe had no meaning, um, right? And so that caused me a lot of anxiety and uh, caused me to suffer for a while. And I guess I just realized, you know, if it's all bullshit, right? If all like money and all this system and institutions or whatever that we put up is just like ways of trying to like limit. I don't, I don't know. I haven't thought through my thought through uh, this um, recently, but ways of trying to limit, you know, our experience to make it feel like we're more in control, I guess more like, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but basically I just derive a lot of pleasure and, you know, from learning more about the universe, right? It's like, if it's all, you know, bullshit anyways, like what I find the most enjoyment of is trying to learn more about what it is that it's around me and like, what is this thing that I'm experiencing, like of consciousness and of like what makes up the universe. And yeah, my curiosity gives me the most from most fulfillment but um i do resonate with you know your other mentality as well like i do really enjoy like making things you know um being crafty making art music um i'd love to have the skills that you have in terms of creating creating things <laughs> and well i i I mean, I, I don't why'd know you put I, that I, make I, that face? I don't know if you'd love it. <laughs> I mean, it's been 16 years of uh, a lot of pain. <laughs> I don't know. 
uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, you can come work for me, and I'll I'll get you those skills. <laughs> I don't know if you'll be happy in the end. <laughs> I don't know either, but I mean, I'm very curious. I love to learn, and uh, yo, yeah, you know, no, I'm I'm happy. I got them. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I might take you up on that offer one day, because <laughs> like. I mean, to be honest, I don't know why I'm getting the PhD. I thought long and hard about this, like, and I talked to everyone about it, and I feel like I'm thinking about it the most, and I have like the least resolution to it. <laughs> um, but I know I want it, right? It's like why. Um, so who knows? Like after I get the if and after I get the PhD, like I have no idea where life is going to take me after that. Yeah, and that's just one of those things you have to, one of those steps in life that you have to, like, deal with, right? You're, like, you're thinking about it as it comes, and then you have to make a decision. And then hope for the best. Yeah, well, I'm just banking on the fact that, you know, even as I stand right now, I have skills now. I've, you know, in whether conscious or not, you know, how much forethought I put into it. I learned some stuff along the way, right? And yeah. some people want to know that stuff. So, you know, hopefully, regardless, I'll be able to capitalize on that somehow. But anyway, so I mean, I was, oh, oh, well, I was just whatever saying, Irene, what does Irene want with her life? Well, I was going to ask you guys, like, do you have some large goal or something that you may see in the future that you really hope that you could achieve? Uh, that's a thing people do? I just wondered. I just want to know. I'm just being, <laughs> I'm just being sassy. Um, I mean, I've thought about it for a long time, and I'm just kind of in that thing where, like, I... I I don't think there is something that I just want in the end. I kind of just want to experience it all. And I'm just like in the point with, like with Joe is, you know, nihilism was like a huge part of my life too. Like, you know, right. You know, and then once you learn physics, it just feels worse in the beginning because you're like, Oh, well, geez, everything seems so calculable. <laughs> and then, um, and then you kind of like, I guess for me, it started getting really bad when I started learning statistical mechanics. <laughs> statistical yeah that's where all the 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 physicists go crazy and kill themselves and they murder each other. yeah <laughs> yeah well doesn't the, the book starts off with you know you're about to embark on this journey where like other people like so-and-so have been and they've all committed suicide at the age of like 27 yeah yeah, yeah. so good luck let's start i passed Which 27 so i'm okay <laughs> greatest greatest beginning to any i mean this is just by far the greatest beginning to any textbook ever i've ever read <laughs> but um uh it has really formed the way my mind works because I mean, we just dealt with models, toy models, you know, and the emergent properties of systems. And I can't help but to look at anything but a system. Mm -hmm. Like no matter how unique you might think the pieces are that the system moves, like the particles are irrespective of each other. Like they don't, it doesn't matter that A or B are different. You can treat A, B, or B as A. Mm -hmm. And they flow to, like, they follow, like, make, 
like equations like uh you know i mean you see it every day and what people do in their jobs like how malls are created how subways are created i mean how stores are created like these are all models of uh of fluid mechanics and in fluid mechanics you know every water molecule you can't differentiate them yeah but the emergent properties come out from the model from the model and that humans follow that too sometimes it's just like kind of something that pops into my head all the time and then it moves on to the next thing and it moves on to the next thing and i just can't help but to look at things in that manner and it's not it's not because i'm like oh this is all pointless you know um, we're going to end up with and you know uh just basically becoming all all disordered you know you know entropy is going to take over and whatnot uh but it's not that it's just more like there it really enlightens like people's experiences for me like things that they think might be their fault. And I'm like, well, you're kind of just a piece of the system. And, you know, some of those properties that you feel like they're just emergent properties of this thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Like I think for me, physics has also been helpful in terms of my psychological self too. And like you said, like it can help you look at, have a different perspective on the things that happen to you and the things going on in the world and around you and have a more, let's say rational framework where you're not where now you have this ability to kind of pick apart or feel an emotion, pick apart that emotion and think about the things that could have come together to create that effect in you. Right. And then that way you can kind of like, you know, heal from a lot of past traumas or anything basically. Right. Um, I think it, is helpful i guess i asked you that goal about like if you guys have any like major goals for the future because i guess one of mine is educating or education educating people like finding a way to kind of use these ideas that you get from learning physics and ways of looking at the world and spreading them to as many people as possible so that they can implement that in their own lives and and then and analysis and analyzing themselves um, and teaching critical thinking skills so that people have those skills themselves and they can assess their realities. They can assess what other people say. Um, they can take in information, break it apart and then consume it so that they can um, come up with their own conclusions to the world. And and also they're more willing to listen to other people because they see it as like another way of gaining more information. Um, and hopefully problems like we have going on right now in the country where people are so divided and they don't even want to listen to each other. Um, this type of thinking could help all of these problems. So I guess that that's one of my major goals is finding a way to make education, good education, more accessible to as many people as possible. But there's so many problems in trying to when you're trying to solve that, right? Um, And just even hearing your story too is frustrating because you're like, you have so much to bring, you know, you have so much to give to the world. And it's like, 
for something stupid like a piece of paper to be the thing that's holding you back is frustrating it's stupid it's ridiculous like why do we have this system which doesn't even make sense to me because you're literally i feel like if you're a baby you come into this country as a baby you should have citizenship come on you're like literally yeah. i don't know how old are you i mean you were seven months right you didn't have a choice to come here you came here you should have immediate citizenship you've been working in this country giving back to your community for like what how many years of your life? Yeah. 29? But, but we go back to like, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of funny how things circle and they, they, um, like, cause we're talking about education then we're talking about immigration and I mean, and about citizenship, you know, which is like basically a law. And I'll like circle back to like the BLM movement right now, like Black Lives Matter, like the reason why people are upset and and it's something that I have I've experienced my whole life too, is that, you know, that, that the reason people hold down to like not giving me a chance was because of laws. They're like, you just didn't follow the law. You just didn't. So sorry, you can't play the game. And, <laughs> and it's like, you and, had a choice. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're right. I didn't follow the law, but the laws are created by people. And we know that, you know, there's systemic racism in laws. Like, why criminalize one thing versus another thing? Like, in, in the BLM movement, why are people so upset? Right? Because they feel like their lives are dictated by this over-criminalization of things that shouldn't, like, it shouldn't deny them the opportunity to have a life, to have, a, like, you know, to have, like, a pursuit of something greater. And for me, it's my, my status for for people in other communities it's 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 over ticketing or or being jailed too often you know being being arrested for like jaywalking you know going to jail yes, like that is such an intervention that you don't see with other types of crime you know we, yeah. yeah like things that affect more people you know whenever like a big company and a ceo does something that affects millions of people do they automatically go to jail? Do they automatically get handcuffed and thrown and they're automatically, you know, suspected? No, they have the presumption of innocence and they get to fight it out. But if you are a minority in this country or if it doesn't matter what kind of minority you are, as long as you're not part of what the laws are created around, if you're if you're poor, white, if you're brown, black, Asian, whatever, as long as you don't fit the model of these laws, mm-hmm. like you're presumed guilty. Yeah you get the penance of jail. You get the penance of, you know, you already get, you, you are already, you are already punished. Yeah. And that's not the way a lot of people look at it. They, they don't see that you're already being punished before you're even presumed not, you know, and that's what everyone else complains about. You know, when they're like, whoa, you can't treat me like a criminal. You're presuming me guilty of this and that. But it's like, you know, some voices in this country have bigger, they have more volume. And it doesn't matter how many of you are. So it's the same thing we struggle with every day and we wish we could change. But here we are. We're in the, we're in the midst of these moments. Yeah. 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 That was well said. Um, <laughs> I yeah. Mean, we I, all, mean, I mean, that's why, I, I mean, yeah. But we have to keep working at it, right? Because yeah. who's going to do it if we don't keep? And we all have our skills, right? We all have our uh, strengths and we all have to decide how we're going to use them if... And if we want to, I mean, 
I mean, not everyone has to fight the fight, but I personally feel like I, I want to do that somehow. And I think education for me is a way that I could really help the world. Um, but anyway. Yeah. yeah, you're right. No, and it's, I, I think it's what I try to practice every day. And why I like physics is that I want you, like you said, I want to help people understand things. Yeah. Like I want, I want to understand physics at the level where I can teach it to my dad to my mom, yeah. my brother, my sister, you know, and I don't have to teach them like calculus. I can just, you know, teach them the way to think, you know, the, yeah, the, exactly. the pedagogy behind physics, because mm -hmm. that's, that's where we really struggle is like pedagogically we are different when we go into physics than when we come out. Yes. Right. Exactly. We get like brainwashed or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'll say it in a good way. Let's, you know, I don't lose myself the person yeah. before, but you know. Yeah. And for me, like I really value people. Like, like the relationships I do have, you know, I, I really, I really do value them. Like, I if I see someone on the street, I don't presume them to be bad immediately. I give them the benefit of the doubt always. You always have the benefit of the doubt. Um. So when I look at times like this and how I can, I can fight for the things that I believe in, you know, like rights, rights of people, you know, uh, equity, um, just anything in general, better education. I, I have to listen to those people who I'm fighting against. Like I have to, yeah. I have to like see them as a human being and see what they're trying to protect because they, they're all trying to protect something. They've all gained something trying to protect it um and where they're coming from and what they know and and work on that you know like basically make them see me as a human being and give them reason to want to like even listen to me yeah exactly yeah. of course yeah, yeah i mean i say same not stuff i always talk about with joe too um um yeah i mean it's it's not good for the cause if you're othering people right like if you're not yeah. actually listening and trying to understand their point of view what are the needs of these of uh, that they that they have you know we have to listen to everyone and try to figure out how can we collectively meet the needs of everyone right you said they're yeah. protecting something yeah of course they're protecting something you'll have similar needs you know the fundamental needs that we have and i think that um it's important to i don't know how I guess that whole process of how to find a system that fits everyone needs, um, how that works coming from where we are right now. But um, I'm hoping I mean, that, yeah, go laws, ahead. Laws, laws, like we're talking about it. Yeah, like, yeah, of course. Like people, you know, the opportunities they have, you know, and and basically how they're seen in, in, in this country depends on how the laws are, are administrated. Like, you know, if you have a broken windows policy, all you're going to have is a bunch of vagrants that are black, black, brown, and Asian because they're all the ones committing the pettiest of crimes because they're all in the places where, you know, their outlook on life seems, makes them make those choices, basically. They're yeah. in the system. They're in this, like, they're in this end-body system, and <laughs> these are the emergent properties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? The rules are there. We create the rules in the beginning of the system. And then we see what plays out. And no matter what you do differently, like I can't tell, you know, people in the bottom to lift themselves off and fight against the system. And that that's how they win. When like, I'm like, no, it's obvious how this is going to turn out. No matter what, 
no matter how many, like no matter how much I tell you, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, it's not going to happen because the system wasn't created to create to have these emergent properties. Yeah. Like it, it wasn't created. What you're going to get is what you see and what we continually see and what we see all the time. Yeah, because exactly. We don't change how we criminalize things, and and it's that fight we have between safety. We want safety, but we also want justice, right? So. Well, I guess, how do you go about changing those laws when you have, like, such a, like, loud uh, group of people who oppose any change to those types of laws? Because of fear, I don't know, maybe fear or they just, they like to to keep it the way that it is right now. Maybe for their own benefits, who knows? I mean, at some point we have to set our expectation, right? Um, like, is there any feasible way of doing this without doing no harm like when a revolution happens does it happen without anybody being hurt probably not We've already had casualties in this one so <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean any revolution always has casualties because you know the world is dynamic humans tend not to be dynamic we tend to try to control things um so we have to look at okay, if we're going to affect change, what is it that we're willing to lose out on, you know? Um, and if we're going to change the laws, first people are like, oh, we needed to criminalize petty stuff, petty things, petty reasons people should not go to jail, one. They should not lose their fortune, which is, like, very small. So, like, if I have 200 bucks in the bank and I get a speeding ticket tomorrow and it's 250 bucks, I'm out. I'm basically poor now. Yeah. Like, that should not be a thing. But you have the other side saying, if we don't have these laws, there's just going to be so much crime. People are going to be like doing whatever they want. Whether that be the case or not, like whether that actually is true or not, if you want, if you really believe me and say, and when I tell you that if we change this, the whole group will change, mm -hmm. you have to kind of go through those growing pains. You have to go through like, yeah, maybe crime does go up a little bit. Yeah. But it's just petty crime. Like, it's not murders. Yeah. So. It's yeah, like I mean, I think that that brings up a point that I've thought about before where um, I think it's important to explain that and be transparent about the possibility of what possible outcomes could be at first. Yet, you know, in this case where you say maybe crime will increase a little bit, but then things will level out. Kind of be transparent and if I enact this law, if I make this plan, these are the possible outcomes, A, B, C. And from there, we will see this happen, this or this happen in the future. Um, whereas like right now in law, at least what I've seen or heard, um, it doesn't seem like people who create these policies really, I don't know if they think through all of the possible outcomes and or not, but I don't really see it being that transparent where it's like, I'm going to enact this law have this policy and then this will lead to these outcomes and i never hear it kind of said in that way i guess maybe that's a more scientific way of stating you know um the future but um i've never really i feel like when you don't when you're not transparent that way that it brings a lot of uncertainty to groups of people so maybe these people opposing are uncertain as to what the future would be like so if you're transparent as to what these pos possible models could lead to, um, then maybe it would bring some ease. I don't know. What do you think about that? 
if that makes any sense. Oh, no, totally. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes that's what you try to do. You try to, uh, you know, be forthcoming with people and tell them, hey, you know, this is going to cost you a little bit. And I mean, part of the pushback is that why me? Why should I have to sacrifice for your rights? Right? It goes like, why should I lose out of my wealth? Why should I, why should I have to change the way I live just so that you can have something more? And in the end, it's just about, you know, like I said, making each other see each other as the same human. You know, I might look different, but I'm just as human as you. And, and basically what I'm asking is that I just want to have the same chance that you have. I don't want to have what you have. I just want to have the same chance. And if right now you have more than me, more of a chance than I do, how is like in your head, how is that going to work out that I'm ever going to be able to be at where you're at? Like, where am I, how am I going to be equitable to you? Like how, if you're not willing to give up anything, where am I going to, where am I going to get, something. gain something, right? And it's, people are like, well, is it a zero sum game? I don't know. I mean, in the case of, in this case of democracy, sometimes it is a zero sum game. Sometimes it's not. But in this case, I, I truly believe it is like you, you know, you, you do have to sacrifice a little so that, you know, that people are more equitable. It's just, I've, I have few instances in my life where you don't have to give up something. And, and in that case, that's where we get to this whole like political science thing of what's a government and like, what is the government there for? Why do countries exist now? Right. And, like, because people are like, oh, we don't need a government. You know, libertarians, we have, we don't need any government. We can all control ourselves, which anybody who knows anything about systems knows there needs to be a certain order to the system yeah. or else the system devolves. <laughs> so you need that regulation because as the end number of body grows, it changes a little bit. Um, um, but as far as government goes, it really just needs to create the rules. And it, it needs to be the government and who you put in government matters. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, this is kind of doubling back to a point that you brought up earlier, but brought up a couple times, right? Is, I don't know. It seems like you might share a lot of the same intuitions that Irene and I have about free will and um, about whether or not it exists. Um, freedom <laughs> free will yeah um, those loaded those loaded words dude <laughs> right we don't first need to go amendment into... <laughs> second amendment third amendment fourth... what we don't need to go into the details of that but there's a couple of things i want to highlight is that um it seemed like it caused you some anxiety to perhaps consider the fact that we might just be some end body system acting out the laws of physics and maybe we don't have as much say in it as we think we do um, but to me, I think this actually shapes my outlook in a more positive way. Um, mm -hmm. and it kind of relates to this topic, right? Is, um, if we don't have free will, take it as a presupposition, say we don't have free will, then, um, and people are just acting out their lives as they would be forced to, right? And this brings up the concept of moral luck, right? It's like, if you would have to accept the fact that if you were in someone else's shoes, you would have to act out 
their life the same exact way as they would have, right? And so the only thing separating you from someone else is sheer chance, right? Where you happen to be born, who your parents happen to be, the things around your environment, the laws that are in place at that time, it's all just a matter of chance, right? And this gives me a lot of empathy towards people in different circumstances. Like say they break a law or um, say people are acting, you know, callously towards one another. I always remind myself that, you know, their learned experience, as you put it, puts them in that position, right? And I have to try to empathize with that, right? Mm -hmm. I'm no different than they are, right? And um, I think this also ties into like another philosophical like thought experiment that I've heard in like vegan circles is um, like an argument I've heard for um, animal rights is like if you imagine you can come back as any life form on this planet um, clearly you wouldn't want to choose like a chicken or a cow <laughs> right <laughs> right and um, just by you know practicing empathy in that way of, exp of trying to put yourself in that conscious experience um, you kind of can remind yourself what it means to be equal and actually care about the experience of other living beings, right? And yeah. I guess it's just a way of practicing empathy, you know? And I think that's really like, in terms of the, a lot of the problems that both of you have brought up, that's the way I see forward is just people becoming more empathetic and actually giving a shit about the person next to them. And I don't know how we can teach that or get people to give more of a shit, but yeah. I think there is a way. I mean, our society kind of blocks off emotions. I mean, we don't tell people to explore their emotions or feel their emotions, especially for men. They're taught that, you know, hold your emotions back. Don't, don't expose them. You're weak if you talk about them or if you cry and so on. Um, so yeah, that are the, that's the big problem, right? I mean, if you're not even allowed to feel your emotions or talk about them or show them to others, then you're not going to learn how to be empathetic, in my opinion. You have to be exposed to people's feelings so that you know, oh, they feel sadness just like I do. Oh, they feel happiness just like I do and so on so that you can build that sense of empathy personally. So I think that's education there, right? That's part of it is education. And that's something that I think would be that we need a revolution in. But go yeah. ahead. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, it, it's basically... Kind of, I think I was trying to what I was trying to get across when I first said it, but I, I'll I'll try to make it stronger. Yeah. Um, uh, so when I was talking about the whole embody system, like it, it definitely was that I could only look at this, and that was just because of how I, my mentality had changed because of physics. But I was what I was more like surprised about was how I think Irene said it too, how it informed me rather than it 
it didn't end up making my nihilist ideas worse. It just ended up informing me that 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 people weren't just these things, that people were part of these products of these things. And then that that basically gave me the opportunity to be like, oh, I can understand that. And I can understand that that's not your fault. That's just like, we're part of this thing. And, and in my sense of free will, that that basically is that my being informed so that I can change the system. It's not that I don't think that the system doesn't evolve. It does. It has to evolve. I mean, we went from barbarians to exist. So <laughs> yeah, my learned experience is that the system is evolving. We're not stuck to whatever we are. You know, uh, some things are harder to get rid of. Maybe some things are more ingrained in the system. But I, that doesn't mean I have no hope that it can change. But but uh, being able to look at the system is definitely really helpful. Like being able to like see emergent properties and, you know, notice that people have free will. They just sometimes are forced into having less free will. So, I mean, when you're starving, it's kind of hard not to choose not to steal, you know? You, yeah, yeah, you know, of course. Right? Um, but, yeah, so I think that's how you inform the laws. And it's how you get educated, and it, and in the end, too, we have to, we're we're fighting. Right now, we're fighting the front from two sides, because <laughs> because we're in a system of government that that um in, in this country that looks at it, you know, people are like self-made, and we're coming from backgrounds where uh, we're. May our families are maybe barely starting, like our generation, like, you know, our, our history is new in this country, mm -hmm. specifically mine. But um, also, we're coming into institutions that aren't the most popular ones in this country's history, like the elitism of being an academic, of being a yeah. scholar, you know, of like using big words, of using rhetoric you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i was in the bar the other day and i said learn the experience and some guy's like whoa did you go to college <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i mean are you in college like that he's like are you in college i'm like no but i went <laughs> i mean i listened to some tech talks um so i feel we're coming at it from an angle of like you know, the country's ideas aren't so great. They're not so informed. And when you get into information is where we're at in these institutions, but then these institutions aren't, they're also a problem. They're not created in a way to like really disseminate information in an equitable way, like really teach the masses, right? Yeah. It's like, it really is a way to elevate people, but only the people who can't. Yes, exactly. I mean, right. it's good to see that there's more like this bridge program that we have here. It's nice that there's programs like that where, you know, specifically is trying to get people who don't have a strong background in physics for different reasons and minorities um, in physics. And I think that personally, I already see a change in slowly a culture here in physics. I don't know if Joe would agree with me because I know we talk a lot about the culture and physics and um, how it can be elitist and stuff like that. But I think that 
this program is helping change slowly um, the culture. And I think that people like, you know, like us, we're getting educated. We've been educated. And I feel a personal duty to help the education system um, and bring, you know, give opportunities to people who normally wouldn't be able to get this type of education because uh, we're all be- going to be stronger. The, you know, our country's going to be stronger for doing that. The world. But the world. Yeah, the world. Because this country is supposedly the bastion of hope and freedom, as uh, <laughs> Prime Minister of UK Boris Johnson put it when he was asked if he still believes that Trump is a good guy. <laughs> he basically was like, didn't say Trump is a good guy, but he said America's still the bastion of hope and freedom, which are big words for, you know, our old oppressors. Yeah. <laughs> um, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, so I was just going to say a couple words on my feelings about the bridge program and stuff like that. Is um, I think it's definitely a good thing, right? It's just um, being part of the first couple iterations of it. I feel like I'm experiencing the growing pains um, personally. Um, but I can definitely envision a long-term effect um, that is totally beneficial, right? So, um, so right now, the system is, is not where I would want it to be. I think it's still pretty fucked up. Um, I think that's always going to be the case, uh, and that's why we got to do something about it. But... Um, if we didn't have the program at all, then it's just like, then we're doubly fucked, right? It's like, then... Um, you wouldn't be here talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's just difficult when you're in it, you know, and experiencing it. Yeah. I think this is where Irene's hope and mentality comes in, man. She's the one, well... See, I mean, she, see, I, under, yeah. I know what he's saying. There's growing pains for sure. But I guess I'm looking at it in the future. I'm, I'm being yeah. optimistic. I'm like, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I try to frame things in a positive light, I guess. No, but you're totally right. I mean, you're totally right. I mean, in that case, like, you know, using your, your the way you were talking to me about it is that I would suggest, Joe, you know, it looks like you're in a position to do something about that. Yeah. That, and he does. He he's the one who injects a lot of the conversations that we have, um, like emotional conversations that we have. He's the one who really brings up a lot of issues that we have. Right? I think a lot of the good conversations we have have been because of you, Joe. So I don't know about I, the culture I, in 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 the department. So just yeah, maybe. I mean, at least in terms of our bridge program. But I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I think that's my responsibility, right? Is like just because I'm self-aware enough to feel this. For me, it's suffering. For me, it's pain. Um, and I don't know if everyone else just has a totally different experience, or they're just not as self-aware. Um, but because I get the perception that for some reason I'm more sensitive to this, um, I feel like it's my job to try to stick up for potential future of suffering, right? I don't, I don't want what happened to me or to, you know, potentially other people just to continue perpetuating just because, you know, people didn't say anything. But anyways, that's also why we have the, that's why we have the, 
the podcast at all, right? <laughs> is because um, felt like we needed another platform to try to elevate these voices. I mean, yeah, we don't get to talk this much while we're in the, in the apartment, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and we don't. It's not a platform per se. I mean, it's a platform to those listening at the moment, maybe. But mm -hmm. the accessibility is not there. I mean, I'm not recording my conversations. <laughs> Which me and Joe always had great conversation, by the way. And Erin's right; he does, he does open up people emotionally. <laughs> Made me vulnerable, Joe. I just said it. <laughs> That's good. So, yeah. I mean, talking about emotions, how vulnerable do you think that you have allowed yourself to be emotionally throughout your life? Uh, like none until like st I started caring about living my life, maybe. So when was that? Um, basically, um, yeah, when I started the physics program, probably. probably. Like the first time you started college or when you went to? When I came back, okay. yeah. But it was more like it was slowly becoming a thing as I started coming back. But then once I ended up in Cal State Long Beach, it was definitely like, oh, hey, like, I need to be genuine with everyone. Because, again, I came from a totally different department before where I was engineering, where mm -hmm. I'm not going to say there isn't a lot of toxicity, but there's a lot of toxicity. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of toxicity in general. Like, yeah, performance in engineering is, like, kind of, like, the only thing that matters, really. It's, I, I got an like A. Did you get an A? Did you get an A? Because I got an A. I'm like... And then you start hearing, oh, well, people had access to the test. And, you know, gee, and I'm just like. <laughs> right. Which is, which is, you know, it's funny because I feel like if they were in physics, they would have never done that because once they got into undergrad, they'd realize that it's all about what you actually know instead mm -hmm. of like, instead of what you can show on a piece of paper. Right. Yeah. Like the actual A doesn't matter. It's more like how you can talk about what it is that you learned. Inform yourself about that. But uh, I think, I mean, honestly, I think, I mean, our physics department really did change me a lot. Otherwise, I think if I would have stayed engineering, I would have fallen into a lot of, I kind of have to be this way because I have to look like I'm an A-plus student because eventually I want to get a good job and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I so mean. You have to spend all that time. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. Uh, right. Well, I was just going to uh, agree with you that. Um, that our department was, I'm starting to think something else. I, I really think um, Cal State Long Beach had uh, an incredible physics department, right? Um, you tell me Galen Pickett was greater than I thought already? <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to say, right? I think, I think a lot of it has to do with the culture that uh, Dr. Pickett kind of set out to make, right? Um, and like I appreciated it then, but now that I'm experiencing grad school and a comp completely different dynamic, um, I appreciate it to like a whole nother level, right? I realized how um, special that was, right? And I'd love to get him on the podcast sometime soon and talk about it, but. That'd be cool. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, he was, he was our undergraduate uh, physics advisor and he, I think, just in general, set a culture of like um, 
you know, like if you really want to do physics, you can. There's no, it, a lot of that elitism kind of was totally not present. And um, the physics community, I think, was really social and really involved in a great set of people to work with. So I'm grateful for having that experience. Yeah, definitely. Life changing. I don't know if anybody, I don't know if a lot of people can say that about college. Because, you know, a lot of the, the rhetoric saying that college is just a scam, that it's just, you know, it's just a way to create money for institutions, that it's worthless, meaningless, it's going to give you no value in your life, which I mean, I listened in college, so I, I think I got a lot of, a lot of value, but, um, yeah. Who says that? I mean, I had a lot of people who can't experience. get a job. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to say it that way, but it seems like these are the characters like, um, like, yeah, when your expectations are met, basically, like when you well, struggle to get an A, you did whatever possible, yeah. and then you didn't get that 150k job and you're like, well, I got gypped. Yeah, well, I mean, I recall uh, me and my stepmom having a conversation like that. She said something similar. I mean, <laughs> God bless her. I mean, like, uh, I think I might have just, I don't remember the context. I think I might have just said like, um, oh, why don't you go to college or something and, you know, try to learn something you're interested in or whatever and she's like is it is it really worth it like am i gonna get anything out of it if i like don't change my career or at all and i'm like what is the monetary value of completely changing your perspective on the world right and um <laughs> i mean not everyone has our experience right but for me i personally really value you know learning as i've already said learning about the universe and it completely changes my perspective about everything. And it's just like, it changes who you are on a fundamental level. And it's just like, what is that worth to you? Right. And I feel like it's worth a lot. Yeah. I mean, some people, it might not be a good fit for them. Maybe they're not in the right place in life where they're going to really reap the benefits of getting an education, like going to college like that. Um, and maybe those are the people that come out and are vocal, but I think that you learn a lot about yourself. I mean, I had, uh, I mean, if you have, I guess I wanted to say maybe they haven't had an identity crisis yet in their life, but um, I feel like in college, that's where, I mean, I had a lot of, I mean, starting from high school, I had struggles and then going to college, I had personal struggles too. And then that's a lot of where I had to basically pull myself apart and start putting myself back together and reevaluating who I am and discovering what I wanted for myself. Um, and just that in itself, having a community of people that think differently than me, have come from different places, have grown up in completely different circumstances, with the large variety and like diversity of mind there, um, who all are there because they want to learn something and they want to educate themselves and they seem more open-minded because of that. I think that is invaluable. I mean, you can learn, you could pick up so many 
basically experiences from other people there um, and you become more open-minded and more empathetic and I that's why I don't understand when people say there's no value because it's literally it's like the most valuable thing that you can you can even get right um, and culmination of human knowledge for the yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. um, I don't know and I feel like it's brought me closer to a point of I guess what would you say self-actualization right mm -hmm. um, and yeah I mean I don't know what else I was going to say about that <laughs> you guys mind taking like a five minute break <laughs> sure yeah uh, let me pause all right, just had a quick bio break, and now we're back. <laughs> right, so um, I don't remember where we left off, to be honest, but... Um... Self-actualization, I think, was the last thing I said. <laughs> Literally the last thing she said. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I do agree with that. I feel like a more self-actualized person from college. But I guess I wanted to transition to... I guess a little more political stuff. Well, it's not even the fact that it's political is frustrating, but, um, Topics of today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about, um, BLM and George Floyd and stuff like that, but I guess I wanted to focus more on, um, ice and stuff like that. Um, because I do oh, still corona. see, um, stories about that i i see it's like not the focus but people haven't lost sight of people being detained and stuff like that um i was wondering if you knew or were aware of any of the details and like how you feel about <laughs> that stuff that's going on um, i mean specific details or my general ideas on the topic <laughs> i mean i have both both well yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's no surprise to anyone that we're in a time where enforcement of immigration has been like at an all-time high, right? And it's not over like it's not over like the criminal part of it, like the you know things that you would as citizens of this country, as people who live in this country, you would be like, yeah, I, that could kind of make sense, like you know, people who are trafficking people for abuse. Um, people who are, you know, literally bringing in um, things that can harm us. Um, that at least that has some sense in society, you know, that has like, you know, whether it be drugs and why drugs are coming in, that's a whole nother question. Um, but, but just like everyday people like me who are like under the guise of like, you know, you're next kind of thing. Uh, the numbers are just at all time high, but also like the treatment, like the dehumanization of people is that is an all time high. That's the, that's, that's where we're at with the policies that this government has chosen, that our president has chosen to, to follow, be it his own ideas or be it the ideas of his, his cabinet. Will we ever really know? I don't know. Will it ever be like, oh yeah, they did this. I don't know, but, but I mean, it comes with the privatization of, 
of detainment and you know how their scope of like the economy was going to work and all that how it all ties in together it's just leading to the dehumanizing people and putting them in cages like that is beyond a like you can't question that that's what's going on you know when you're in a camp tent house and that's how you're being detained like that's just i mean i have no other way to look at it but like you know it's just morally wrong it's it's not what this country is about and it doesn't matter that they broke the laws you don't dehumanize people just because they broke the law yeah i guess um when i think about stuff like that it it makes me think of uh george carlin's last special about the last thing he talks about is human rights and where they come from i guess it goes back to what you're talking about entitlements and i guess i question why people like american citizens feel entitled to the rights that they have because they're born here right why is what is so special about being born in this specific place right i feel like if we're going to have rights as humans as at all they should be accepted universally right and if we can't recognize those universal rights aren't being met then what are we doing as a human species right maybe it's a little naive a little uh optimistic to think that way but it's just like if you can't answer the question of where do your rights come from and why they come from there then what is it that we're doing i mean right off the top of my head i can think of maybe two things yeah um and the easiest thing is just uh scarcity some people might just have the idea that what america has is scarce and it's not something that they're willing to share basically like as simple as that like not every country could be the greatest and if i live in the greatest country you know i got to protect that yeah kind of but but that's kind of like a narrative that i think the general public has kind of bought into that is kind of to me like a lie right there we have more wealth than the rest of the world right it's just it gets concentrated to these very few people right like we work like you know economists used to project back in the day that you know we'd have less and less uh you know work hours because we'd get more productive exponentially more productive and that's true we did get exponentially more productive but we're working many more hours <laughs> than to produce more yeah exactly and and that's just because we're not reaping the benefits right Yeah, so I'm just, I just clearly put it out there as just people's mentality. Whether it be wrong or right, that's probably where they're coming right. from. Right, I understand uh, that. <laughs> yeah. The second one is... Um, uh, oh, Jesus, I just blank out. <laughs> um, uh, so the first one was uh, because the scarcity problem. And the second one was... Sorry, I get these brain farts sometimes. <laughs> That's okay. No but um, I get I guess um I'll just respond to the what I imagined the response would be, right? Is like 
I will recognize that having borders are important. <laughs> Here I don't. Right, having borders are important, and um, it's important that you look after the citizens of your country, and that they can be able to invest in the country with taxes and see the benefits of that. Right, I, I recognize all those facts. Um, Okay, so that's kind of, I, I remember now what I was talking about. <laughs> okay, so, so some of it has to do with um, the heritage. So, like you're talking about taxes and investment, is that, you know, some people's families have been here forever, and they're, they were part of the making of this country. And they're deserving of it because they are part of that lineage. Like, you know, if you're a citizen and you were born here, it's because you're part of a lineage of people who have been bringing up this country. Where that changes when you start getting an influx of immigrants. Yeah. Right. And I understand, you know, that's been a source of tension in terms of like uh, Europe and um, Syrian immigrants and stuff like that. Um, people being afraid of losing their culture because all of a sudden, you know, the majority of the people are no longer the people that live there. Right. Um, or made it. Right. Exactly. But I guess um, it comes back down to empathy again. It comes like once you start violating basic human decency i guess i would call it it's just like <laughs> it's definitely going a step too far right it reminds me of japanese internment camps right in terms of you know during world war ii with japanese americans being in good standing just having all their rights taken away and being put in camps right yeah then they're not rights anymore, right? They, they're, they're, as George Carlin put it, they're privileges, right? Oh, yeah. And, um, right, so it's just like to be repeating that experiment, you know, the optics may be slightly changed given the fact that, you know, they're immigrating, but to me, the moral problem is exactly the same, right? So... I don't know. It's really disgusting to see what happens, what's been happening with ICE and immigration and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I don't know. Did you have any other um, specifics you wanted to talk about? Uh, well, I mean, right now, I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at two things, you know, that this country like the administration this country is going after, it's going after enforcing, getting people who they think do not belong here and trying to reduce that number as far as possible. I don't know if that's just depend on the base or they genuinely believe that that's better for the country. You know, it's kind of hard to tell. Um, but also, you know, for those, those that are already here, like me, who have support from people um, because there is a difference in support. Like there are people who will support people who have lived here their whole lives, but there are not people who will support people continually come here illegally. It's just the fact of the matter that it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound like a good idea to just continue to let people to come here illegally. And there's some people who just won't support that. Will they, will they be willing to support an easier way to come here? Because people do people coming here does help the country. It's making them believe that, but there are people like me who are just already entrenched 
you know, we have our roots down. So it's harder to get rid of us because we have bigger roots. You know, we have people supporting us. Uh, and right now, I mean, that, even that's being attacked right now. You know, it's in Supreme Court right now, literally pending the, this month. <laughs> I think the, the Trump's uh, authority to have rescinded, rescinded DACA program uh, the way he did, and if that was legal or not. So that's something that we're waiting for. Um, I mean, and it's all like, it's all how our country was built, you know? Our country was built with the constitution, you know, the, the, the makers of the constitution said, hey, this is what we want the country to be. And then it developed court systems, it developed it enumerated powers, it, you know, it created states, it gave them enumerated powers, it gave the federal government enumerated powers. That was the whole federalist, you know, federalist papers. Um, Trying to, trying to figure out what kind of country we wanted to have, right? And then we created the rule of law, um, and then the, interpret the interpretation of law, so so the court system, Supreme Court justice, and then we had case law, and then that's really what we have today, right? We have the culmination of legal legal thought to now, then that's where our country is. But nobody sees it that way. Nobody that I have contention with like with our friend Cameron, like the other day I, ha I was having a discussion and our other friend, Nick, um, they both come from more conservative backgrounds. And I told them my biggest gripe, my biggest, you know, problem when I try to have an argument with somebody, like a discussion or, you know, discourse um, about politics, you know, about social policy. Like the hardest thing for me is to figure out where they're coming from. And what I mean is where they're coming from is what is it that they truly believe this country is or like what where like the identity of this country where does it come from like you know i honestly can't see where they're coming from from that because it doesn't it doesn't seem that way from what they're saying so i, I you know i pause the question like i i assume everyone believes in the constitution i kind of have to that like if i were to ask everyone like hey what defines this country i'm like well maybe the constitution you know, it's what we derive everything from. And then I'm like, okay. And then if you do believe in the constitution, like what kind of constitution do you believe in? Like, is the constitution malleable? Like, is it, can it change? Is it elastic or is it inelastic? You're like, like it can't change, it's rigid. It is what it is, it's the identity of this country, we can't change it. I think if people came from that, at that point, maybe their arguments or their, so their ideas would change because then they would have to acknowledge that every amendment in the constitution is equally as valid, that the 14th amendment is just as valid as the second amendment. That, you know, the 21st amendment is just as valid as the first amendment. They're all amendments. They're all based off the powers enumerated by the constitution. And also if the Supreme court decides that something is something, but yeah, that's valid too, because it's an enumerated power from the Constitution. That's that's how our system works, right? But half of the time I hear people saying, well, I believe in this part of the government, but I don't believe in that part of the government. But it's like, doesn't it all come from the Constitution in the end? I have a hard time with that part. Like, what is it? In this country, what are we trying to hold on to? The people, the Constitution, or the land? Yeah, I mean, yeah, this goes back to the 
the question, like, where do your rights come from, right? And, yeah. Um, the Constitution is one basis to do that. And, uh, right, so if people can't answer where their rights come from, then uh, I think they need to think about that. And, yeah, what is the purpose of those rights, you know? Yeah, right. You know, if we get, if we derive our rights from the Constitution, why is it that those specific rights got put in the Constitution in the first place, right? I mean, I think these are important questions to be able to answer. Um, yeah. I mean, that's probably why I think the framers made it a malleable Constitution. Like, they made it so it can change. They, they didn't make it so it can change easily, you know? Yeah. They don't want it to be like, oh, I decided tomorrow that I want to wear a blue shirt instead of a red shirt because now I just hate red shirts, right? They want it to be like systemic changes in our in our social structure that guide what this country should be, right? Yeah. I mean, it seems like nowadays that's been a little bit too difficult to change it, right? Like when's the last time the Constitution's been amended? Um, yeah, I mean, right, yeah, no, we I mean... Technically, I mean, I mean, under the Constitution, technically, women still don't have rights. It's never been ratified. Mm. I mean, it's law, but it's not a constitutionally protected right. And it's just like, how is that even a thing? Yeah. <laughs> like how? Like we're we're already dealing with like you know we're we're on the cusp of humanity where we're like understanding that hey we're not. We're not just XX, we're not just XY. Our brains don't technically alienate with our biological expression. Like we're all these, we're figuring out all these things about us in the universe and it's like, we're still stuck on, you know, the dumbest of things. Yeah. And you're right, it just gets worse as time goes on. Yeah, and that, I think the amendment thing is just because of the polarization of the parties, right? It's just like, it's, <laughs> It's become so gridlocked in terms of progress, so entrenched in uh, party think that um, it's really, um, I think, put a damper in terms of progress for America. And I think it's caused a lot of citizens to basically lose faith in government, right? Um, just playing party politics as usual has uh, really gone to the point where everyone feels frustrated and disillusioned with the system. Yeah. I've been unable to affect change. Yeah. 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 And I guess that's why like the optics of the protests for the George Floyd protests are perceived differently by everyone. But um, it's, <laughs> it's refreshing to see all these at least state and local and you know there has been some <clears throat> uh, bills passed in, or put forward in the in the house for making change right because of the protests actually seeing something potentially productive come out of it is uh, refreshing right you know and it <laughs> reminds you that um, it gives me a little hope I guess that you know uh, perhaps <laughs> we could actually use organized efforts 
from everyone to enact change that is meaningful to people's lives. No, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have to judge that at the end. But sometimes we'll be like, well, we didn't get enough for how far hard we fought. And, you know, it seems like that's just getting, like we said, it's just getting worse and worse. I mean, when you have, you know, uh, the tinderbox that was, you know, you know, the unequal treatment of, of people because of the police, due to whatever be the case, racist laws or, you know, uh, uh, systemic racism in how cities are developed or, or how people have opportunity jobs and whatnot. Uh, that that tenure box can be lit by like someone like George Floyd, who I mean, he was, you know, a person who just was another person who was affected. And then it created, it created, it was such a flash fire. It was huge, right? It was pent up emotion from like hundreds of years, literally. And in my head, that should like be radical. I mean, that should like, that should like really affect people. But to this day, I see people fight it. <laughs> and some of it, I really think has to do with social media and the ease of access to information and how some voices can be magnified versus other voices not so much magnified. Like that I could have maybe, I don't know, millions of people trying to speak out for Black Lives Matter like millions upon millions and billions, but what conservatives here are like, I don't know, a hundred accounts on Facebook that say, that say, uh, oh, well, these riots are wrong. They're doing it the wrong way. And this or that. And then just basically taking away from the movement instead of like do, trying to do anything positive. Just basically like saying, oh, just be quiet. You're, you're wrong anyways. And it's hard. <laughs> we live in a we live in an age when information is too fast and we can't process it because we're not we're just not educated enough we're not informed enough I mean I'm guilty of that too yeah I mean yeah I agree that the media in general I guess kind of allows people to become stratified allows them to be put into bubbles where they don't have to interact with ideas from the rest of the world and if you were just like forced to live you know neighbor to neighbor you know you might experience more diverse thought um but i mean i think this is yeah in general i think that's a problem and something that we need to be aware of but for this specific uh circumstance with uh the blm movement uh i think that it's so widespread like you know there's that <laughs> that uh plot by cnn of like all the states that protested and the whole country was red it was all 50 states at protests right at some point around um, the world yeah and now that yeah uh, you know austria new zealand and so on like people are protesting around the world because of this and um you know, I think that would make it like, even if there are like those groups stuck in their bubbles, I don't know if <laughs> how Cameron feels about it or uh, <laughs> uh, so on. But um, even if they're stuck in their bubbles, right? Like the 
proportion of the population that is, you know, moving forward with those ideas, you know, they're going to get left behind, right? Like, whether they, they like it or not, they're going to have to engage with the rest of the world at some point, you know? Yeah. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I think, what people are trying to push right now. They're trying to increase the volume so that, I mean, you're forced to listen to it. It doesn't matter if you, you put your blinders on or your headphones on. You know, the stampede's coming. Um, that's a good thing. <laughs> right, and... It, you know, I, I guess, you know, showing, you know, some sympathy to the other side. Like, I do think it's important to recognize minority voice, voices, obviously. Um, if the shoe was on the other foot for for some other issue. Like, if I if it was me in the minority group, I'd feel pretty bad. But yeah. um, I guess my standard for these types of for any type of issue is just showing human compassion and empathy and, you know, uh, lessening the suffering of conscious beings all across the world, whatever maximizes well-being is what I'm interested in. So, but. Irene, any thoughts? I don't know what to say right now. I mean, difficult topics. They're not... <laughs> They're not things we have the answers for <laughs> off yeah. the top of our hands. Um, I guess you mentioned something about social media. And what was it that you said about social media exactly? Oh, I mean, it was a double-edged sword. I should have, I should have said the other part too, but um, um, that uh, sometimes... So I was speaking point to a very specific point of social media and like how their algorithms work and how some some voices get like the minority like the super minority might have their volumes too high. Oh, so yeah. like, yeah. But I should have also said that in the case of BLM, I mean, social media is what's helping drive this movement. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. we we couldn't have this this kind of connection. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just was going to make a point about that, that, um, but I mean, you basically said it, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you said, because a lot of times the very vocal minority, like you said, can take over where people now think that that's a majority, right? But it's, it's not a majority of people who believe or who think like that. And on, on top of that, there's a lot of issues, I think, with technology and our increasement technology where we don't necessarily think about the repercussions, the social repercussions that they may have, and then thinking about, okay, what kind of laws can we enact before we actually put this technology out for the masses to use um, to protect people's rights? I mean, there's the whole stealing data information, and then, and then there's the whole situation where we have people like with the bots and stuff that in a way, like you said, is this minority view where now seems like a majority view because of like this, um, of technology basically, right? Which mm -hmm. is spinning kind of reality and twisting reality in a way that now people aren't really even sure what is reality, what's not reality. So it's, I guess the big question is how do we come back from that? How can we 
create um, an environment where people can feel that the information that they're getting is is true information, is real information, and not um, dismissing things because someone says it's fake, and so on. I mean, at some point, people had real faith and real respect for journalism, right? So, like, like, at some point, we really thought as, you know, like the news as the fourth branch of this government, that without news, we wouldn't, we couldn't check, like as citizens, we could not check the government. Like we could not be informed enough to, you know, change our congressman or change our president or, you know, change things. And my earnest feelings about this are that what we do, we do for the sake of growth in this country. Like we do it for economic growth. And that's what this country has been about for a long time is that we just want that GDP to increase by X percent every year. I don't care how it happens. Like, I just want the policy that does that. And I mean, I'm not an economist, but I don't know how necessary that is. Like if we can control economic growth for, you know, social growth, it's a trade-off I would make where, because I, part of, part of the, 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 dilution of of respect for the news and and the credibility is because of how many news outlets there are now like and there are different agendas like i in some ways it's like a barrier to access for for creating a news program but also it's also like a form of credibility because journalists go through a whole education to become the people who they are and to you know study the craft of getting information and 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 checking it i mean nobody's perfect but these people are generally trying their hardest to give you facts right but then it's up to the uber wealthy to like be like well no it's not in my interest and then that's on one leg but then it's on the other leg we're like at the bottom of social influencers or people who are i don't know like uh like the guard of the media who are like out there disseminating what they think is the news, but without actual any credibility. So in this sense, it's just gossip or it's just, you know, hearsay and all that. And because hearsay is, there's a confluence of hearsay to actual news. That's the, that's part of also the dilution. So it's, I mean, it's both ways. Yeah. But how we get back to that. I mean, we you know, we look at that this thing is the most important thing to us and we haven't yet you literally have to regulate it so yeah i mean i i agree that um basically it's economic incentive that holds back you know uh quality journalism right and like you need sensationalism to get the clicks to get the ad revenue um to sustain the business, right? That's the problem is that news is a business. Um, when the problem is, is that we need information that should be non as 
objective as possible, but it is the um, polarization of the ideas showing you the most extreme form of the ideas that gets the clicks, gets the views, right? And it's exploiting our psychology um, to do that. Yeah, I was going to be like, why don't people, more people demand like objective truth, you know, like reality. I mean, that goes that goes in my mind into education as well like uh yeah. people aren't aren't taught that this is important and how to even think critically so that's why i'm saying like i think education yeah. is one of those fundamental pillars that needs to yeah you, you, you stole the words from my mouth right that's what i was gonna say is Sorry. That... <laughs> no it's okay um i guess i worry that i'm a little uh pessimistic in this specific area it's like i don't know how we get back to people reporting the truth, right? Is because um, deep fakes are around the corner, right? And then it becomes really difficult to disseminate so what, is, what is reality from, you know, creation, right? And the only way I think to defend against that is being able to critically think, right? And I don't know where I got that specifically. I can't point to like the one moment in my education that that happened, but I feel like in studying physics, I picked up a lot of tools that helped me rigorously investigate ideas and you know what people are telling me the truth is to be able to determine for myself what I think reality should be. So I think that's the path forward. Like you said, education, teaching people to critically think somehow to evaluate these new sources from the for themselves yeah so i guess what you're saying is that you the education gave you the intuition to be able to figure out pick out who to trust and who knows who not to trust because in the end we all can't be reporters we can't be we we can't be finding all the facts you know we we, we trust is necessary for our society to work right yeah you need yeah. to be able to trust the, the weatherman you need to be able to trust whoever it is, you want to trust people because you can't go find these facts yourself. It just, you would have no life. (laughs) I mean, and I guess it's also reading, reading uh, from every angle, right? Reading the rendition of reality from every possible angle possible. So that what, you know, even if it is extremely biased and not objective, at least you can maybe get a truth by looking at all the different angles and seeing where they intersect, right? Um, but that also takes a level of critical thinking skills that I don't know if necessarily they're being taught in, in schools. Right. So, wow, man, it shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be that hard to get information though. It should be straightforward and easy to get objective information. We can apply meta-analysis. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) From the many, we can come up with the truth. (laughs) Oh, that's true. Uh, as physicists I mean that, we could do that and then we could have our own page of objective reality right who's gonna trust physicists <laughs> you everyone's afraid of, sci- of science i forgot that's a good right. research Yo. research like, project. Yo, physics too bad for you yeah. create a you know neural network to try to read through all the news sources right and then spit out reality oh, a, yeah, meta na- a meta-analysis ai <laughs> what yeah. That'd be an interesting project. See if it comes out with anything that makes sense. But um, 
But um, anyways, I guess um, I'm becoming mindful of your time. I see that you are in the dark. <laughs> we literally saw the, see the, saw the sunset, right? So. Right. So, um, but I, did, I don't want to cut you off. If there's, is there anything else that you uh, think you mean is like important? like a million things? But... <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we could probably talk for hours and millions of hours or something on all the topics. Yeah. But No, this, I, this is great. Yeah having a, a platform to speak is fulfilling. Well, okay. if you want to do it again, we would love to continue having the conversation. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, I like to talk. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's it's accelerating, right? They have good yeah. conversations, so. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's, well, sorry, go ahead. I mean, that's the greatest value of education is being able to really, really talk about things communicate and all that stuff it's great um yeah okay there were things that there's there's just more things that i would like to talk about eventually but i think that maybe we should we should continue you can write the them conversation. down yeah. Two. yeah all right well it's been great having you on man i really appreciate you giving some of your time to us and um, being able to talk i thought it was really fun uh, i think we touched a lot of important topics so yeah i just hope that my voice, like, I don't know, resonates with somebody somewhere. One person would be enough. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> One person would be enough for me. But, yeah. yeah. It's just something that I, you know, what our time on this earth, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll keep you posted on that and um, let you know how it goes, keep you updated. And um, like Irene said, feel free to... Um, Reach out to us or if you want to talk again or uh, maybe we'll hit you up soon. I definitely will. Great. Are you going right. to be in the in the mountains all week? Uh, just this weekend. I'll be rock climbing. Yeah. Okay, cool. The other part of my Enough. life. Yeah, that's great. You need that. You need, you need to go back to nature. You just get rid of all the thoughts and do something I, physical. Too. I come from dirt. I come yeah. from dirt. Right. So, uh, okay. Um, I guess wrapping up the podcast, uh, if you made it this far, uh, thanks for listening. We love you. We appreciate, uh, you as well, uh, giving your time and, uh, follow us on Facebook. I actually curate that at beyond the physics, uh, favorite us, give us five stars on your podcasting platform. Uh, I have a Twitter beyond physics, but I don't use it. Uh, feel free to follow us there and I'll give you one more opportunity. If there's anything you want to plug Jesus. Yeah. Follow beyond the physics. <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I mean, we talked about non-biased news and you know what it's worth to you. So maybe look, you know, NPR, local yeah. radio, it's kind of worth it. Yes. Great. Yeah, that's true. I, I listen, I support. Um, so, um, good plug, right? Uh, all right, anyways, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye.